Option podcast. Uh, first off, hi. It's been a long time. Um, I know for a lot of our regular listeners, there's probably questions, concerns. I know the last time you talked to us, I gave a whole spiel at the beginning about how I had taken some time away and we'd taken a break and everyone was busy. And then it was, you know, after the draft, we just kind of got swamped with stuff. And then we were going to come back. And then we didn't come back after that one episode. And then we were actually gone for the longest break we've ever had with this pod, which was um, just about two months. So sincerely, I do apologize to our listeners. I said that last time um, we've missed you. I've missed you. I, I hope you guys have missed us because we do love you guys. And, um, and yeah, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy couple months. Uh, there's been weddings, there's been vacations, there's been trips, there's been a whole lot of work, busyness, um, just a lot of stuff going on. And the podcast has had to take a quick pause. But as you all know, this pod, first and foremost, is always about football. Like it overrides everything else as much as we love the NBA and we love golf and MLB and all that stuff. Um, football is king. And we're at the the, the golden part of summer when the appetite for football is just becoming insatiable. And because of that, I think last week, even we had said we were talking about doing it and coming back and being like, is everyone ready? And we had more stuff getting away, but now we're back. We have our plan for the summer. We have our football prep ready. And the whole crew is here to do it with me. Vito and Scotty and Jeff, the three of us back together better than ever uh, and it's so good to see you both um, and to be back doing this. So how are we, boys? What's up, boys? I love this, dude. We we, uh, we were just talking like um, anytime we get to do this, it's always a treat. But yeah, we've been on a break. I've been busy as shit, too. Sorry, everybody. Um, you know, I think we've all gone through some busy times. And, and when they all line up like this, it's nice that we can kind of take a break and then know that we still have our crew when we get back. So uh no, just, just, uh, it's, it's been wild. Like as much sports things have happened and new champions and different sports and all this stuff, like, I don't know, not much changes until the NFL comes around. It feels like, right. I don't know, Scotty, <laughs> what about you? Uh, it's been a while. What's that stain song? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a good time. Been a while. Uh, no. <laughs> Scotty's uh, back. Man. He's dropped. He's dropping sting references on us. Not even three minutes Stains, into the pod not, yet. Not sting. Get, youngsters these days. Um, listen, I've, I've missed the, yeah, right. Uh, I've, I've missed this, uh, dearly. It's been, uh, for those of you who have listened religiously, a large part of, um, of my life, all three of our lives really, but, uh, a huge, uh, part of my life in, in mental health. Like this is a spot where I can just sit down, release and talk ball. Um, and so to have this, this back after a, a much needed, uh, I think break for for all three of us is uh, is elite, and I'm looking forward to diving in like a cannonball uh, into yeah. into football and everything else. And it's hard to believe we're we're most of the way through summer baseballs past the halfway point. We didn't mm. even start that when when it started in the at the beginning of uh, or, uh, of April there. So uh, a lot of stuff to cover, man, and and I'm really excited to to dive headlong. Yeah. And, and I do want to say it's like it's not that a lot of bad things have been happening for us. Like it's no, just, no, no. just no. been really, really busy. Yeah. With shit, you yeah. Know? No, it's good. Life's um, good. 
and and we've kind of needed, I think, a little break because it's look, we said this and we were just saying this before we started recording. This is our fourth football season that we've done together as a podcast. Now it's our second podcast. The first one we did was not as public, uh, but there are a bunch of people who listen here who have heard that. So we're going getting ready for our fourth podcast. Um, and I don't think we ever took a break longer than uh, two weeks in, in the entirety of it, um, whether that was me doing solo shows in between uh, or having guests on or, you know, one of the two of you guys popping on or all three of us. We've never really gone dark on the on the channel, on the feed in, you know, over in two and a half, three years, really, um, since we've been doing this. So I think having a chance to reset, remind ourselves like how much we love doing this, how much we missed it was uh, was really cool. And I think it's nice to be back and to be so excited. Um, we are going to have, we have a great pod lined up for you guys. We're doing AFC, NFC East previews. We're going to start same thing we did as Scott reminded me for the last two summers, which again is crazy to think we've been doing this already for that long. Um, Tuesdays will be NFL. So we'll pick two divisions. We'll preview, uh, preview them. Uh, we'll probably mix in a fantasy football podcast and some other stuff in between. Uh, and then Thursdays will be our college football preview stuff. So we'll dive in conference by conference. Um, obviously with how crazy college football has been and how many transfers and stuff like those pods, we kind of need to go one conference at a time for that and build in some extra time because it's going to take a while to kind of really do all of our homework for all that. Um, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great and uh, very excited. So today we are starting off AFC, NFC East, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I thought it was fitting considering it has been about two months since we've really put out, uh, you know, a- another really, really full in-depth pod. Uh, and even longer since the three of us have been together, uh, we have some some takes we got to get off, right? Because a lot has happened in the sports world over the last two and a half to three months that we haven't really gotten to weigh in on. Um, so this, this is going to be rapid fire takes from, from what we've missed. Uh, Vito, why don't we start with you? Give us one thing that's happened over the last couple of months that we didn't get to talk about that you want to, you want to throw out there. Oh, wow. Um, probably have to start with live golf and live the golf. merger, the yeah. non-merger. What the fuck? Okay. How do you have a deal that comes out? That's not really a deal. No one knows what the fuck's happening. And apparently but Monahan's going to get control and Greg Norman's getting thrown to the side and all this stuff is hilarious and great. And it's so funny that like, this is, this is what the result is. Cause everyone heard when that news broke, like, Oh, they're merging. And now it's like, well, they dropped their lawsuits against each other. Kinda. And like, they might both fuck over Greg Norman is the yeah. way I, there's, there's like <laughs> three guys. And this is such a perfect <laughs> metaphor for golf cap, like in capitalism, in America, all this stuff is you have a multi-billion dollar nonprofit in the PGA tour who is yeah, yeah. Like getting in this weird lawsuit and then has to have people shown in front of, uh, you know, a, a committee in front of Congress to answer to all this stuff. <laughs> again, multi-billion dollar nonprofit, which, you know, again, not shady at all. Uh, you have rich white guys who are deciding things for an entire league. It, it was like four dudes got in a room and basically decided this, like that yeah. was the whole, like, which is so batshit crazy to me that you can have an entity as big and especially as popular right now as the PGA tour is and all of these people, it's just down to like 
three dudes, two of which weren't even associated with the PGA tour uh, coming in <laughs> and deciding the collective fate for all of professional golf while also working with the Saudis to do this, who they claimed to be the worst people on earth a year ago. It's rich right. white guys who were I, just, lying I had a theory though, a whole th- a year ago, everyone's just lying out their ass in the effort to make as much fucking money as possible. Yeah, it's right. So <laughs> perfect. It's so perfect. And so inherently fucking stupid. Yeah. And like, Guys like Rory McIlroy are just like, all right, cool. I'll just go fuck myself over yeah, here right. after how bad, you know what? It's like, now he's winning. I like, now he's winning. He needed this shit. He yeah. needed to, yeah, he needed this apparently. And now yeah, he's fuck, off winning. Fuck to, being the events. white knight who's going to come in here and, and save the PGA tour. Like he was forced to, into last year. He's like, no, fuck this shit. I'm just playing golf now. Whatever you guys come up with is fine. I don't give a shit. Let's like, it's so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your and theory, I, Scotty? I yeah. I had a theory that, uh, you know, the Saudis are well known for for this, uh, but I don't want to politicize it. Uh, but maybe there was a there was something uh, a little more um, threatening uh, to, to Monaghan that uh, that might have caused this to happen. Because, I mean, to go from and, and maybe it's it just is because we've seen this this pattern before where uh, rich white men lie uh, and then take yeah. your money. Um, uh, that seems more plausible, uh, obviously, because like, that's just been <laughs> a pretty systemic pattern. Um, but to, to, in the span of a year, less than a year, even go from saying this is abhorrent, um, uh, for all these four reasons, this is why the PGA is so upstanding and, and, uh, and, and moral and everything right about, yeah. uh, sports and, and the game of golf to then, uh, fast forward to uh, earlier this summer when it was like, eh, actually, screw all of that. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to make yeah, wait, money. Yeah, but there's wait, the money. We can okay, drop yeah, the Mr. Krabs me. The Mr. Krabs me. I, to- yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. I hear you. A lot of really good points you made. Moral points. I get it. Well, but, but <laughs> how'd you like to make a fuck ton of money? Right. And everyone's like, yeah, you know what? That does let's sound do the, way better. Let's, let's do that. Way more of, money. Like, well, not only that, make a ton of money and not spend the next two years in courtrooms and deal- paying yeah. lawyers hundreds of thousands of dollars or and millions. So, like, that's the thing. They both saved money. They both saved face. They were like, let's start a war. And then they realized, like, hey, we don't want to actually start a war. We did that for ratings, kind of. Let's let's die this down. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like the the scene from from Ted Lasso, if you've watched it, where they're they're starting to create the spoiler alerts for those who uh, who haven't seen it yet. But oh. where they're starting to create a... a a super league and and the uh they look around what no no, no I'm, seen I'm, I'm, no Vito hasn't seen it Vito took okay. his headset off for the people who can't I see. Okay. hear us right now so I'm putting my hand up to let him know when it's okay for him to put okay. his headset back on where they're where they're sitting around a room there's a bunch of the these rich owners that are trying to create a super yeah. league which is something that happened in European football and it's still kind of ongoing but uh when Rebecca looks at at all of them and looks around the room and goes, and they kind of use this meme with the, with the A's in baseball a little bit uh, in the, in a similar way where they look around the room and and Rebecca makes this impassioned speech about how uh, these things don't belong to them. They might own them, but they don't belong to them. They belong to, to the people and the fans and the the fans. Yeah. And, and and all of that. And then uh, the, the guy leading the charge uh, for the super league looks around the room and goes, that was great. Now who wants to make a lot of money? (laughs) Yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, and it's money so, be good. It's, money it's like be that. good. Yeah, money be good. All right, we're gonna bring Vito yeah. back in. Yeah, okay, we gave right. him the thumbs well, up. Sorry, right, 
well executed spoiler alert there. See, I, I was I, I was gonna say also like we have, we haven't been on and all three of us together and yet hey we we still can communicate non verbally and still get oh it, yeah the, the oh yeah uh, the last thing on that too I think it's I think the poetic justice with Greg Norman and his whole career just <laughs> yeah. always finishing second always losing always choking right and then he's like I'm gonna start this own thing and this whole report comes out and he's like the kid who gets like left out of the, of the football game at recess or whatever, doesn't realize that there's the party that everyone gets invited to. And he's just, and he's like, wait, what? Like, I thought, I had no idea this was going on. Yeah. I thought thought it was finally cool. Nope. Fuck you. Greg. It's at your house, dude. Yeah. It's it's, it's literally that. Um, All right. uh, In other uh, sporting things that we've missed, um, Nikola Jokic, good at basketball. Um, I should say. And the, the Denver Nuggets, good at basketball. Um, a, a very weird playoffs, like as a whole, because like the last, the last time I came on like, the first round of the NBA and the NHL playoffs, and we'll get to the NHL. We can, that can also be one of our things too, was like the best first round. We had these two great one seeds, both fall to eight seeds with all this upset. And then pretty much everything else from then on kind of sucked. Like even the Celtics coming back from three Oh to force a game seven, like kind of sucked. Like the whole, like the games themselves weren't fun. And then, like, you got to game seven, you're like, ooh, could this be a blown, first blown 3-0 lead? And then it's like Jason Tatum gets hurt literally on this first play of the game. Yeah. And we're like, all right, cool. Nope, the the, the, the heat are up 15. Um, it was still a cool run. Like, it's so cool to see teams like that make, make runs there. But as a whole, like, it's one of those where, like, the most obvious answer is the right answer all along, but like just no one wanted to really, you know, admit it with the nuggets. It's like, yeah, the nuggets were the best team, yeah. but for, if you haven't seen a team do it, you're kind of like, all right, you know, um, but Jokic is just a fucking legend. I, I'm honestly sad, more sad that we weren't on to talk about all of the Jokic like post-game stuff and all right. the stuff off the court with him during like, obviously his post game, like, he didn't want to go to the parade. And now he's like, no, I fucking love parades. And we're like, holy yeah. shit, this guy's amazing. <laughs> um, I loved and this is something I never, I didn't see anyone talk about. And again, we're, there's people who are like, why are you guys talking about this is months old? Because we want to. So fuck off. Um, <laughs> Jokic, as they go, like they're all up on the podium as they win the championship and he gets the MVP, right? And he, he puts it up and he puts it back down on the table. And then they're taking all of like uh, Jamal Murray was up there talking, whatever. And they take like a wide angle shot. So you can see everyone standing up on top of the podium and you just see Jokic on the, as far back into the right as humanly possible. Like there are like towel boys who are up in front of him closer up to the microphone (laughs) than Jokic was. He's just standing in the back, holding his kid, not listening to a word Jamal Murray or Michael Malone or anybody is saying, and he's just sitting in the back completely unenthused with any and all of it. His reaction when uh, Lisa Salters asked him yes. about, about the game was like, he's like, the job is done. I can go, we can go home now. I'm like, yeah, this, this guy's a machine, but it was well, good to I see him live it up a little bit. Eastern block, baby. <laughs> well, I think what it is, right. It's someone who like, Hey, they found this way that they're really athletic, but like, he doesn't, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. And I hate to be the announced, like the, you know, pundit saying all this shit, but like, it just seems he's not the guy like Kobe who loved the game of basketball. That's not him. Like, he's like, this is a job. Yeah. Maybe he loves, I love my job. All right. But there are times when you're at your job where you're like, dude, I just need to go home. I need a break. Right. I need Mm -hmm. a a summer off after been went through the NBA playoffs and all this shit that he just went through. Right. So it's also hilarious to be like, I think for people to see someone treat it more like a job a little bit. Right. And he's like, dude, I did my job. I don't know why I'm like, 
I just want to go home. Fuck it. Yeah. And that was so like refreshing to see in sports where it's lately, right? It's been like, no, you need to love it. You have to love it more than anyone else has ever loved it. You need to be so passionate about it. And he's like, or you can be like me, athletic as shit, love like probably the sport in a lot of ways, but like, I don't need to live and breathe and die this thing. I want to go yeah. home and chill with my boys. Well, and it's a, it's a lot of like NFL players where you're like, I remember hearing Chris Long say this one time. It's like, you'd be shocked at the amount of NFL players who like hate football or like don't like playing football, but it's just a means to a really, really good lifestyle and a way to live. Right. But we romanticize the Kobe Bryant and the people who eat, breathe, sleep it, but he's like such a savant, like his brain just sees basketball. And then he has the skill set that just works. And I'm sure he does love the game of basketball, but you're hundred percent right. Like he just sees it as like, this is a means to an end. Like, this is like, I come in here, I do this, I do this, I can do whatever. He doesn't have like that. Like, I wouldn't describe him as like a hooper, you know, like those, those guys like Kevin Durant's who are just like, those are dudes who like, even if they, if Kevin Durant wasn't seven feet tall, he would still play basketball every single day of his life. He would still go to the the gym and run pickup with strangers every day. If he wasn't, you know, one of the best players of all time. Right. He's not like that. Um, but he's no. a bad man, dude. He's a bad <laughs> he's man. So fucking good at basketball. He goes, what? All right, real quick. If you could each name one other, it doesn't matter the sport, one other position for Jokic to play, what would it be? Like in another sport? And another sport doesn't matter. Like it could be, it could be something as ridiculous like hockey goalie. Um, he's Serbian. Fuck, who knows? Uh, yeah. I, I think I personally would throw off that. Like, I think he'd just be a beast defensive end. Right. Like that guy. He'd be move. like Calais Campbell. Like he'd be like a yeah. three technique that you'd put in, in, in the, a, in between like the, the A and B gap and you'd line him up over the garden. He would just kind of wreck shit up. <laughs> I honestly, I could also see a world where he's like the Sebastian Janikowski of punters. Yeah. You know, just cause he's <laughs> yeah. so big, but he would be like, but I think like he vibe wise, he'd be the same thing as Janikowski. Uh, sneaky, good swimmer. Oh, I oh, that's like a good Olympic one. Gold medal I like swim. it. That's a good one. I, I like that. He would have, yeah, he'd have, he's have some power. He, he's got the length too. all the, all the, I like that. That's a good one. That's Scotty. a really good one. Uh, all right, Scotty, something else that we're missing rapid fire uh, takes oh, in the last couple months. Lord, uh, not prepared. Did we talk about Aaron Rodgers at all? I mean, Lord, that's true. Uh, yeah. I, I that mean, has I'm happened just since we've been on. And spoiler, I mean, we're, we'll get into all of this because we're previewing well, the AFC East, but like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I know the decision was made, but yeah. we. I don't, I don't know. I think we knew because like we knew the trade was coming around the draft, right? Yeah. But I don't know if it was done before. See, now I'm messing up. I don't remember when they traded, when that trade was done. Anyway, but we, I don't think we got a chance to talk about it. No. Yeah. Good call. Anyway, I, keep going, Scott. Yeah. No, Aaron Rodgers, Jets. Uh, be careful, guys. Be careful what you wish for, you, Jets fans. Oh, really? Jets fans. I'm happy to hear you say that. Do you think what, <laughs> you you in the NFC have experienced this goddamn game record for too long? What do you think that like they have a Super Bowl chance? No, no. Okay, no. that's good to hear. I don't because and, and okay, we'll, yeah, yeah, like I said, we'll I'll dive into that when I'll, we do our preview. I'll say this, but, yeah. I, and we will talk about that team. Uh, today uh, in the New York Jets, but I'll tell you this: I think if they're in the NFC, that's a different conversation, for um, sure. But yeah, I, I I would I don't know. Well, like I said, we can save that for there. Um, I'll give you another one. I'll go rapid yeah. fire too. I'll give you another one. Uh, how good is Shohei Otani? 
Oh, dude, yeah. baseball. Great call. Great call. Uh, the dude. How is good is this fucking guy? Monster. And he's I'm tired of, of hearing all the old heads, Russo included, that are just like, oh, he's still not better than Babe Ruth. All this crazy. Babe Ruth did all this. Sh- Babe Ruth played two seasons, two in his entire career. And they were both his first two seasons where he was a full time pitcher and a full time hitter. Yeah. Beyond that, all he, be- all he was was a great hitter. And to boot, all of these people making that argument. How many times in your life have you seen Babe Ruth play? Yeah. <laughs> in Good a league point. that didn't allow black people or, or Hispanic people or any person of color to play the game. Yeah. I just like, I don't understand how you can still sit on that pedestal and no, make the argument is- because go watch Shohei Otani play. The guy is unbelievable. He's leading something like 19 statistical categories in it's Major insane. League Baseball. And it's, oh. it's unbelievable what he's doing. All my boys out in Orange County, who I grew up going to Angels games. That's like my home team if I had one for baseball. And uh, like what I what I love is all my boys freaking out now after the Trout injury. And they're like, how the hell not, did they not win a championship? But they didn't even go to the playoffs with Trout and yeah. Shohani together. And that's, that's the thing. So there's a yeah, what? there's a there's a lot to be said about that. And I think it's going to dictate probably the next couple of weeks with what the Angels do yeah. uh, with Otani. And and for sure, if not in the next couple of weeks, then definitely in the offseason when he's a free agent. And, well, and it's going to be really interesting, too, because everything and every article I've read about him says, like, he doesn't want to leave the Angels. Like, it's it's not even it's a fine place it's to fucking stuff. live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that. But it's also like in order to have a modern day NFL or MLB team allow a player to do this even to try it like it's one of these rare moments where we have such unrealistic expectations for somebody that have also been met right and and over the first few years with Otani it's kind of like is this guy actually gonna do this like is this actually something that he's gonna try to do and then he's done it and now we've almost become used to it after a few seasons where he was you know, I, and look, he had the Tommy John surgery and came back and is still this dominant. Like, think about that. How many pitchers come back uh, from from Tommy John surgery and are are good hitters too? Uh, yeah. Bryce Harper, pretty, pretty low had, hit rate. Bryce Harper had Tommy John surgery back in uh, November, and he's still, even though he came back like crazy, crazy early, and he's DHing, his swing has not been the same, and he's really struggled so far from the plate this year. You know, I think it's rare to have anybody do that coming back from Tommy John, let alone a pitcher who is now one of the best pitchers and the best hitter in baseball at the same time. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. It's Go watch him. Nuts. Um, um, I, I got one for you. If that's all right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, SBs. A couple amazing moments at the SBs. And this is more mm-hmm. recent. Number one, uh, this is the most appropriate. So they've had DeMar Hamlin out, right? He came to a Bills game. And, and then they got the kick return for a touchdown. It was incredible. He went to the Super Bowl. They had a moment, right? But the moment at the ESPYs is amazing. He gave the training staff, shout out Joe, uh, Teresa's husband from, from college. Uh, he's on the training staff. And um, DeMar Hamlin gave the training staff the Pat Tillman Award for Service. And it was just as heartfelt as you'll see because DeMar was crying and he was finally the first, he was talking about it to us finally. Right. Like we've heard from everybody, but him talking to everyone, tears in his eyes, made a video. It was incredible. <clears throat> Hard not to get choked up thinking about it. And then the other one that was wild uh, courage award, uh, the U S women's national soccer team, all of them from the inception until now for finally getting equal pay in women's soccer. I didn't even know that happened 
honestly, until the SB came yeah. out. So, so like what, whatever you want to say, their impact is finally hit at least me and some other people like, damn. And, and, you know, they work for the same business. It's, it's just a change in like, I know everyone's saying revenue share all that. No, they, they work for a company. If we work for the same company and there's another project manager, engineer of what I do, they get paid the same as me. So um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's, 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 well, and, and the point is that like it happened finally. And they're the first like national team to have this two major awards that like, Honestly, if you told me before this, I, I forgot about the Arthur Ashe Courage Award and the Pat Tillman Award I knew about, but like the ESPYs aren't an award ceremony you think about. You think about MVP and the NFL awards. So this was, I think, a shining moment for ESPN, um, especially after the last and everything, and a shining moment for the U.S. Women's National Team. And I think for DeMar, like we know about the Bills training staff and their acceptance speech talked about like, hey, go get CPR certified, learn how to use an AED. You could save a life. Like we didn't think we had to, but we did. So mm-hmm. like- Shout out to them using a speech for that, which is just incredible. And then also shout out to DeMar, just finally getting able to speak about everything. It was, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything like those moments from the SP is always great. Like I always think of the Stuart Scott speech, um, right. The, the year before he passed away, uh, Jimmy V yeah. obviously Jimmy V was like the first one that like everyone knows and, and loves. And, and like, those are the, again, the things that like bring people together through sports. Like it's one of the things we love about sports. Um, it's so funny. I was actually just thinking about the DeMar Hamlin thing and that night. And like, obviously again, we live in such a fast paced world. It's like one thing happens and then boom, we're on to the next thing, you know? Um, and how crazy all of that was, you know, and like yeah. where we were in the middle of, of kind of everything. And, you know, people jumping down, like skip Bayless's throat about, yeah. you know, worrying about like how, like how they're going to, yeah. The tweet and everything that came out and just <laughs> all this stuff. And like us, like we had done a podcast and we just, just, I didn't like, I didn't air it. Like I just didn't air it. I recorded something else. And yeah. Um, just cause it didn't feel right to put something out there. So there's like a loss, like, but again, like all that's just because we, we are so trained to just move on to the next thing in our world, whether it's through social media or whatever. And that was just another example of something that came up, happened. And then we all kind of forgot about it over the, the next couple of months. And then we get reminded of the significance of what, of what happens. We kind of get transported back to where we were in that moment. Yeah. Um, again, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, that's a perfect segue. Uh, the ESPs, um, for what my next one was going to be, which you referenced their video are the ESPN layoffs. Um, look, yeah. it's a, it's a really shitty part of kind of where media as a whole is right now. Um, you know, I can, I, I don't think I talked about this on, on a pod when we were doing them. Um, but like my own company laid off 500 plus people um, back in March. Um, the media industry is old. Podcasting companies left and right are either being bought up by bigger media companies or they are uh, uh, laying people off and folding and, and closing or selling off certain parts of their rights and stuff like that. Um, it's a weird time and obviously it's, it's, it sucks. Um, but the ESPN things in particular, I thought were some, I thought there were some wild choices for people. Um, and I was like, we don't know contract situations. Um, and how much some of these people are, we're making what, you know, what mm-hmm. can get saved. I think the big thing that pissed people off is we were talking about uh, Pat, you know, Pat McAfee um, who just filled in and hosted the SBs last week. And he got this mega deal to kind of become full-time with ESPN. Uh, 
just a lot of craziness, man. I mean, Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, those are the first two that really stuck out to me. It's like, wow, yeah. Max Kellerman, someone that they had been behind for a long Did time. Did Susie go too? Culver? Susie Culver was the one that I think Steve most Young. people. Um, Steve, uh, Steve Young got a that quiet whole Monday Night crew Honest, got it. Honestly, yeah. though, like Matt Steve Young could go. Steve Young could go. But I think pretty Susie much everyone. Girl. Yeah. I mean, no, Susie. Steve. Steve was not great. Susie was great. I'm just Steve saying. Young was was really really good, but he never wanted to do an other than like he would do a weekly during on football season with PTI, that was always phenomenal. Um, and always kind of got buried in the middle of the show in that you know in that time slot, which is tough for people to yeah. watch live anyway. I'm with you though, Vito. Like she, but she Susie had to Colbert, nav- of going back to Demar Hamlin. Like she had to navigate that whole. Yes, I had the same Incredible. thought. Incredible. Like Job that, and I remember it. us talking about it after the fact and being like, dude, like. You y'all don't realize how fucking hard it is what she just did. Like what she yeah. did on that, it was unreal yeah. and, how difficult that was. And like she just, I think for our generation, or I'm going to speak for me and my generation, she was the first. I, I'm just going to say it like sideline reporter where I was listening to, and it was a very eye opening moment where she was one of the first women sideline reporters of that era, at least for me. And yeah. she knows fucking football. Right. You don't get to host a Monday night show if you don't. And so I think that was one of the first like uh, beautiful girls I saw on TV growing up that was just talking about football. And I was like, oh, my my love is out there. Yeah, somewhere, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere. There's a woman talking football. Gave you no, hope. Seriously, right. Well, You're still chasing that, like, Susie Colbert. Right, well, the, the Susie Colbert idea lives on that. Like, I think she was the person who taught me it doesn't. Well, her and. Uh, one of my best friend's mom's like, it doesn't matter if you're a female, you can know football better than the guys. And and mm-hmm. r- that impression has to happen on you. I'm sure like me, the kind has that a lot right now, but that was Susie was that for me. And uh, I, I wouldn't be doing my job. I didn't shout her out. Cause I, I think she needs a job at any next streaming service I mean, that buys up. I want to see her back it, on wasn't it football. What, 30, 34 years. I think she was <sighs> IDSPN, That's crazy, um, man. which is in- incredible. Uh, and she's also just a consummate professional. And, and I don't think there's, it's one of those people there's, there's very few people who have like universally high, like approval ratings. Um, and hers is, is one of them. She is absolutely one of those, like everybody loves Susie Colbert. Uh, mm-hmm. Also worth noting whenever Susie Colbert comes up, because I remember ta- I was talking to my dad about this when we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was like, yeah, do you remember Susie Colbert? And he was like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, the Joe Namath interview when Joe Namath was hammered on the sideline when he was getting inducted into the Jets Hall of Fame. And he's like, and he was like, just uh, give me a kiss. It was like Joe Namath was going through a really tough time and he subsequently cleaned himself up, which is very good. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to see. And again, talk, talking about what a fucking pro she is, like she handled that on air in the middle of a Monday night football game with Joe Namath in a fur coat. <laughs> trying to kiss her like and she yeah. still was a consummate professional it's like it's it's unbelievable it's incredible, man. um shout out to the vegas golden knights yeah yeah you know um they win they win the stanley vegas cup first championship yeah, yeah well I, whatever the vegas aces the WNBA team they might have won but um uh, first uh i think i think they might have won I'm, I'm they were in the finals last year or they might have won I'll i say don't first of the they, they were in the finals last year mercury won yeah. Okay. So I think they lost in the finals last year. Um, so yeah, I do think this is Vegas's first uh, championship that they've won. Um, it also, I, mer- I went down a bit of a rabbit hole at the time, like looking up expansion teams. Um, and one of the things is like, especially for us, like our age de- demographic, 
We yeah. were a little too young to fully get like the Texans and the Jaguars, like when they were coming in. Well, especially um, Jags. I remember Texans, but the Jags, they were successful as shit. The only reason I know is because they beat the Broncos in the playoffs their first year. And we yeah. were like, what the fuck? No but that was, but that <laughs> yeah. was also like completely shocking. Like the Broncos shouldn't have lost that game. You right. know, like no, that, yeah, that was one of those, like, I mean, but to make the playoffs and yeah, beat a 13 and three team, everyone was like, oh shit. That's I remember year. when the, when the Browns were an expansion team after the Ravens started in uh, like they had gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but either way, like we weren't like in our twenties or whatever, like we didn't no, understand your point. I just know that now. I didn't it. grow up. With yeah. It. yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And it was like, I, I remember when the Texans, like I was too young for, uh, I don't even think I was born when the Jags went, when, when year did the Jags actually? 90, they were 95. Okay. Yeah. So it was the, 95. Yeah. It was yeah, the year then, I was born. When the Jags. And to your point, yes, but to Texans were what, 02, I believe. And um, they, yeah, they, I, remember, I remember. I remember David Carr. I remember that. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember what draft David Carr was. That it, yeah, because it was, was David Carr, and they, yeah, and then they had the Mario Williams draft a couple of years after that, which I think was 2005. Yeah. So I think David Carr was 03. See, yeah, now all this is blending. No, it was 02. I think you're right. I think it was the 02, 03 season. I think David Carr was 2002. 2002, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, expansion teams as a whole for our lifetime has been thought of as, like, this thing that doesn't really happen much. And yeah. then, like, the NHL, which is kind of like the fourth of the big four, does it. And you kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And they've done it twice now. The Kraken were good this year, right, in their second mm-hmm. year. And they made a decent little <laughs> run in the playoffs. Um, and then obviously the Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup Finals their first year. They lost to the Caps, and then they go on win in their sixth season, which is crazy. But it definitely got my wheels turning as to like, what? How how much longer do we have to go with the NFL before we could consider another expansion team? Okay, I'm because, glad you brought this up. Okay, because I and I'll I'll leave it with this one thought because I think the number one thing you think of is like is there enough enough talent and depth around like the NBA is heading that way the NBA is at thirty teams they're going to have expansion yeah. teams in the next five years one hundred percent there's so much talent in the NBA and it's only getting more dense like it's going to happen NFL is interesting because we've gone through this we went through this stretch like in the the twenty tens where it felt like there was like six good quarterbacks you could win a Super Bowl with and that was kind of it. And now I feel like you could probably, like if we went through the list of how many quarterbacks do you think you can go win a Super Bowl with, I feel like that number is significantly higher now than it's ever been. And maybe we'd get to a point where that's something that could happen or not. I don't know. So I think this is going to happen. Um, and I think this is going to happen in a radical way. I think we're going to see uh, divisions change heavily, but I think, and, and this is, I saw an interview. This is based on some intel. Okay. This is not just random, but Jim Ursay believes that within the next 10 years, there's going to be teams and possibly a division in Europe. I mean, Germany, they sold out their game. They had 2.5 million people on the waiting list and and they only could sell 80,000 tickets. The amount of money that Europe is putting into football. And maybe it's not that to your point. I think football will look something. Maybe they'll have the European League back again. I don't know if you guys remember that when we were growing up. At least they yeah, were adding, yeah. you know, the Amsterdam Admirals and all these teams that you could be, which sucked when you randomly. I'd play against them when I was trying to run up stats. Anyway, uh, point is that I, I could see either NFL Europe coming back or I could actually see a division. They talked about it. They'd need a facility in America, a facility over there, and they would come and do trips for about four weeks 
and they get like four weeks home, come do trips for four weeks. So you, you'd be like a month on the road, then a month home. And that's not that bad. It would be crazy to see the records in those time frames, right? But it's probably better having a facility here and having houses here, like a whole different living situation. But I don't know how that would work. I would love to see it tried. And I think the NFL is going to, they're making too much money over in Europe that to not do this. Like, right, you follow think, where you're you making money. They're making so much money in Europe. You, they're going to flood Europe with, with a bunch more content. If that means putting four teams over there as a division, I think they'll do it. Do you think Europe is the first move ahead of like Mexico City, which is closer? You can sort of, um, I think have what it would be on, is on I, facilitating the 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 alignment and the movement. I, I think the I think the the I guess extra the new four teams or whatever would be like uh, AFC International or whatever. You know, like I think I think, and then you would have a team like in Munich. You'd have a team in London. You'd have a team in Mexico City. And then maybe a team in Canada or something, but it would be like an international thing. So I, that that would be my guess if the NFL were to do this. I think it would, from a logistics standpoint, it would be crazy. the The other thing that's really really hard to do. I mean, this is all on the business end of it. It's hard to find an owner who's willing to pony up the amount of money it would cost to create an expansion team. You'd also have to convince thirty two billionaires that they're going to get a smaller profit share of a multi-billion and billion dollar yeah. league, right? And on top of that too, the deals that typically work out for, for people who are like these owners, when they do that is you don't see equity from your investment really for, I think it's something like five years in some cases. I would say even longer, yeah. I mean, because um, to your point, what they're planning on is all the money from Germany and from like your, and from England and from France coming in and, and the thing is, like, can you – when is that payback period, to your point? But yeah. I think I think those countries are where, like, like you named them, and, and we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll have a South America NFC and a Europe AFC or whatever you're saying and throw, you know, some of that shit. But either way, I You'd I have uneven divisions, too. The buy-in would just be – yeah, well, that's the thing. I, yeah. I think you're going to end up seeing – if you had to restructure this, I think you're going to see – you remember, I, so right before the Texans joined, we had three divisions in each with the odd amount of teams, which is crazy. That's why I love Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner, and in the NFL back in the day, he he got to 32, squared it out, and said, fuck it, I'm out. Roger Goodell, you go deal with all the player shit. Oh, yeah. Amazing move. Uh, but I think what we're going to have to see is like four divisions of six on each side, right? So I think you're going to need to add a lot of teams, and that doesn't happen overnight. So this could be like a 20-year thing that we're going through of expanding overseas and seeing how this works. It could, it could be a shit show. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I think they're going to try some version of it. Cause it's too much money. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. Uh, any other stuff that we missed that we want to touch on. Brooks Kepka's back won the PJ championship. Uh, Wyndham Clark kind of ruins the U S open for everybody. Cause no one really wanted to see Wyndham Clark win. Yeah. I still uh, we have, this is British. This is the open week. This is the open week starts on Thursday. Um, man, Rory's looking good too. I'm excited. Fourth major of the year. All the majors go by. So I feel like we just watched so the masters and um, like, I do, I, this is the thing too, is I am happy that they moved the PGA championship to earlier in the summer, but also kind of like, damn, kind of sucks though. You know, like, yeah. I, I kind of liked having, I gave it a little bit of break and then you get halfway through summer, but honestly, now the open will end. And that to me is like, a yet yeah, how many unofficial starts to football season are there? 
We should do like we should Three do like a least. draft. We should do like a draft <laughs> of like what's the unofficial start of the of football season? Like or like just yeah. you know the draft. The draft's unofficial I mean, training start of camp. football. Right? Train training camp. <laughs> Which starts uh, this week. O- OTAs. OTAs, OTAs, right? OTAs. Big deal. Big deal. First start of the start of the game. league year. Yeah, first preseason game. That's football's back. Hall of Fame game, baby. Let's go. Hall football's of Fame back. game. There you go, right? Thursday Hard night kickoff. on August 3rd. Thursday night kickoff, the actual <laughs> kickoff of the season. Yeah. And then some people throw college cuz they're like a week earlier now, so who the fuck knows, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, right. You could go go back to the start week of the zero. league year. Free agency starting. Start I, that's going to be my season. goal. I'm going to try and have as many football starting beers as possible this year. Yeah. Yeah. And How many? It's going to happen for like eight weeks straight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. That was uh, the longest rapid fire segment of all time, but it was, it was worth it. We needed, we had stuff we had to say. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Like we said before, we have the AFC East and the NFC East to kick off our preview. Uh, so hang tight. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're going to start off NFL 2023, 2024 season preview with the AFC East. And last year we did the AFC West and NFC West first, because we wanted to pick like what division we thought was the most exciting to talk about. And this year I was thinking about, I was like, I don't know. There was nothing as exciting as like all the movement and stuff that was going on with the AFC West last year. Uh, the AFC East has a, has a pretty good argument for that, obviously with the Rodgers move. And, um, but also I think it just might be the best division in football. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of follow how everything develops. Um, and it also is alphabetical. So that makes it easier for us too. Uh, we are going to start since we alluded to it, the first part of the podcast with the New York jets. Um, and I think we can dive into the Aaron Rodgers thing a little bit more here because we really did not get like a full blown reaction to all the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Um, from what I've seen, it feels like people are kind of on one side or the other when it comes to this Aaron Rodgers thing. Like it's either he's, he's going to come back as like the guy, like he's going to you know, have this whole re almost like a rebirth, this Renaissance. He's going to go back to being the Aaron Rodgers that won back-to-back MVPs, you know, over the last three or four years. Um, and I don't know if that's the case. And at the same time, there's people who think, no, this he's he's washed. Like what we saw last year and how poorly he played through most of the season is kind of this part of Aaron Rodgers now. And, and he's gotten to the point in his career where he's no longer that MVP type of guy, even though he's only a year plus removed from being back-to-back MVPs. So uh, let's start with Rodgers. Scotty, we'll start with you. What version of Aaron Rodgers are we more likely to see, or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? I don't think it matters, frankly, if I'm being honest. You could have MVP Rodgers, and I still don't think that that team is is quite good enough, uh, quite experienced enough to have him get them to the level that they need to be at to be competing with this AFC. Um, so, you know, I think if you're asking what's his uh, his plus minus for for wins added. Uh, his war, uh, as, as the the baseball analysts call it, uh, I think it's probably somewhere around the neighborhood of three or four games. But in that division, and with the schedule that they have, as as we'll talk about later, uh, I think that that gets you to a, a relatively mediocre year. Look, you're going to have Garrett Wilson coming into a second year who broke out last year, but we've all seen the struggles that wide receivers have had in uh, in their second year. Um, they've Thankfully, added Quinn Williams uh, back on on defense. Their defense is uh, another year older, another year more experienced. Um, 
but I just don't think that the uh, Will McDonald, uh, the fourth, who they drafted a, a, another key addition, but I don't think their uh, their offensive line will be able to <laughs> uh, will be able to hold uh, as much as they should for Aaron, a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And uh, you know, week four, week five, week six, which is typically what we've seen with it out of Aaron Rodgers when he's been on the Packers, is like they'll get frustrated and tell everyone to relax because the team is good. But like, is it really? Because I don't think that that team is, uh, is up to his standard. So again, even if he adds three or four wins for you, what's that really mean in the, uh, in the long run? Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think, I think the world of Rogers, and I actually think this team is pretty well built out. I like the draft this year. They went line heavy in rounds two, th- uh, or two, three, four, or three, four, five, or maybe it was, it was two, four, five. Sorry. Um, and, uh, or, or I'm not even one, two, three, two, four. And then after that, they hit up, uh, a couple positional needs, whatever. I love the fact, anytime you get a DB out of LSU, I'm a fan. I don't even care. The odds are that like, they're going to work out better than anybody. So go for that. Um, them or Bama, but point is that that was a late six-round pick. But then in, in the lineup, I, I really like this team. I think their line will play better around a guy like Rodgers who can get the ball out quick, who doesn't take – like he's not going to take hits like all their quarterbacks last year did. And um, he has enough weapons. They have Lazar, they have Wilson, they have Hardman, which I think is is a huge – and they got Nicole, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that's that's a whole other level of speed. Which is Rodgers' guy. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, though. But like now you have guys well. who you can spoon out four wide, and I don't care how much you rush, you can rush seven, but he's doing a three-step dropping in that ball out or a one-step shotgun hitch. Like this is gonna happen quick. And I really like this offense. Now in 2022, they were the number one defense. Um, I that'll go up obviously with the amount of possessions probably each team's gonna have. But I really like Rodgers and what he adds to this team because you put all that around him, Jeff, to your point. I think if Rodgers, I think he's going to be more like the MVP candidate. Um, and I, I really do believe that that's going to take this team uh, into the playoffs. And I'm, I'm afraid of them. And I've, I've kind of hinted at that multiple times. Like I'm actually very scared of the Jets being in the AFC as a playoff hopeful in my own team. But uh, the, the playoffs for the AFC is just insane. And I think he actually, uh, like his whole approach of coming from the NFC to the AFC and just his mindset, it's like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm, he's playing the defenses, man. Yeah, he's got to score against other offenses, but I, I'm worried about him. Even in this division, I'm worried about him. I'm very curious because on one hand, like it, this, the, it's very symmetrical to what Russell Wilson and the Broncos looked like a year ago, right? And obviously the last the two Daniel years, <laughs> yeah, right, that too. Um no, Rodgers and Hackett go way back, you know, yeah. and that's because he's, he's won MVP Hackett with lets, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hackett like, like lets Aaron Rodgers do what he wants to do, you know? Um, whereas when he was in Green Bay, he was kind of forced to do a lot of the stuff. Like Rodgers doesn't like pre-snap motion. He's one of those quarterbacks. He likes to run the West Coast, go up, analyze the defense from what he sees, and then make his decision pre-snap. He doesn't like the pre-snap motion to get the defense out of position. He wants his guys to be lined up. And then he knows exactly where he's going to go with the football based off of what the defense is showing them. I'll be curious to see how much of that offense that won him two MVPs under Mike LaFleur, uh, or is it Matt LaFleur? Matt LaFleur. Uh, you know, the two MVPs that he won under Matt LaFleur in Green yeah. Bay, 
you know, I'll be curious to see how much of that he actually wants to continue to bring over, how much of that, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's going to ask him to end up doing here. I don't think it's going to be a ton, but I think we will see a little bit of it. Um, and then ultimately we talk about the, I talk about this every year. Like this is our, what, our third prep for the NFL season we've gone through. And I've said the same thing and we saw it play out in every Super Bowl. The teams that do the best are the teams that are at the strongest in the offensive and defensive line. And the defensive line for the, the Jets is going to be really, really good. You still have Quentin Williams. Quentin Jefferson is yeah. really good. They didn't have Carl Lawson all of last year, who was their big free agent signing in 2022, who ended up tearing his ACL before uh, during training camp before the season even started. So you're getting Carl Lawson, uh, who was really good for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then they draft Jermaine Johnson at uh, out of uh, Florida State with their first-round pick this year, who I think can be really good. Uh, Will McDonald is a backup. Another guy who I really liked coming out of the draft, Solomon Tom- Thomas, who's become a bit of a journeyman now, but at least has experience. And that's just two rounds of depth in your first and second-string defensive lines. The offensive line, however, is a different story because Dwayne Brown, at his peak, was a really, really good offensive lineman, really, really good franchise left tackle. He's not that guy anymore, and he hasn't been. They're going to ask him to continue to be a stud left tackle as he's approaching damn near 40 years old. Not going to happen. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I loved out of USC, was really good as a rookie, got banged up last year, didn't end up finishing the season. They slide him over to right guard. And then Makai Becton, who's the guy they drafted in the top 15, who they expected, I think it was 11th or 10th or whatever overall, expected him to be the starting left tackle, but he's not a starting left tackle. They now have to move him to right tackle and he still is having issues with his weight control, which with offensive linemen over the years is not a good sign. So I have a lot of concerns about the offensive line. I do think Rogers is going to get the ball out quicker. I do think he's got a plenty of weapons around him. I mean, the starting, the top six wide receivers on this team, between Garrett Wilson, Lazard, Hardman, Corey Davis is still there. Randall Cobb and Denzel Mims all have played significant snaps in the NFL. And their highest PFF pass receiver is Zach Wilson. So split him back out wide, baby. <laughs> he, he is better rated at receiving than anyone else in the roster, which is fucking hilarious. Two QB system. Two QB <laughs> system. I love that. Um, I, I think realistically it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think their defense is going to continue to be really, really good. Just like the Denver Broncos defense was really, really good. And I would expect Rodgers to do better – than Russell Wilson did last year with the uh, Denver Broncos. But ultimately, if we're deciding on how far can this guy go, to your point, Scotty, about wins above replacement, right? How many more wins is Aaron Rodgers worth compared to last year? Probably like four wins. And that's going to be good enough to most likely get them into the postseason, especially since they were right on the cusp last year with their random-ass quarterback group that they had throwing out week in and week out, whether it's Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle or uh, who's the guy who's now in Miami. Uh, Mike White. Mike White. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. And Flacco is there too. Free agent. Um, Joe Flacco. So So uh, ultimately I think their ceiling is capped by however good their offensive line is. If Makai Becton somehow Becton somehow snaps into shape, Connor McGovern, who's their center. I used to play in Dallas um, has had Penn Stater. Um, and then obviously Elijah Bear Tucker is really good, but there's injury concerns. You have an old left tackle, uh, passes prime. I, there's only so much Rodgers can do, but I think he'll have a pretty good season. I don't think it's going to be quite the fuck you tour that some people think it is. I think it's going to be somewhere in the uh, in the middle. Um, Don't one guy we didn't mention the whole time, 
is a guy who's going to be coming back off of injury who was a rookie last year. Brees Hall. Yep, Brees Hall coming back off that ACL is going to be huge for that offense because Rodgers loves his pass-catching backs. He, he did it with Aaron Jones for years, uh, and, and Brees Hall is, is a lot like that. He's a powerful runner, and he can catch where, the ball to the backfield. I'd watch out for that as a wild card. Where are you guys in, in fantasy? Where Which round would you take Brees Hall in? Is he a one or a two? A one. <laughs> Later. Yeah. Two? Probably, 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 probably three. Three, four? Wow. Probably three. I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. I'll let somebody else make that mistake in the first or second round. Ooh, um, I'll make that mistake. I'll be a dog. I'll <laughs> and, and here's and here's the reason, right? And and it's funny because I actually heard this on a fantasy football podcast, the fantasy focus podcast from ESPN. Um, there's a difference between return to play and return to performance, right? You can return from an injury, be cleared to play, and that's great. Like you can come back and play and be cleared medically and healthy enough to play. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to return to that level of performance that you were at before the injury. And as we've seen, particularly with ACLs and particularly, you know, skill positions, in the NFL, it takes a little bit of time to get used to that. Right. Um, usually guys like that, whether it was, you know, Michael Gallup, who came back late in the season last year, who started to turn it on the last three or four weeks of the season, as he was kind of approaching that, you know, year plus mark from when he tore his ACL the year before, right? You see that happen a lot. Robert Woods was another one who was cleared to play and come back when he's playing in Tennessee, but it took him a little bit of time about halfway through the season before you could tell that he was really trusting it return to play and return to uh, performance, I think are different things. Fair. And and Brees Hall could be, you know, a, an absolute X factor here, but also in an Aaron Rodgers led offense. I don't know. Cause again, like Matt LaFleur, like wanted to run the shit out of the ball last year and has for the last couple of years. And that was a huge part of what opened up there, that offense in green Bay when Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs. I'll be curious to see how much of this offense wants to run the ball and how much workload they'll be willing to give Brees Hall. Cause it's still less than a year. Remember he tore his ACL was like week five. Week four, week five of last year, something like that. And if he, even if he's cleared and ready to go, week one, that's still less than a year since tearing an ACL, and we've kind of become desensitized. Like I think back to the Adrian Peterson year all the time, the fact that he tore his ACL and still came back and was an absolute fucking monster. Like that was so unprecedented, and still is kind of unprecedented for a dude to come back as quickly as he did. And now it's like we expect guys less than a year after tearing the ACL to come back and be full strength. And I think it takes a little bit longer than that. So I would, I would fade Brees Hall in fantasy and, and uh, God, I'm getting excited for fantasy football. I'm going to draft him so early. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This, I mean, that's, you can tell me, that's I mean, the girl you, tell you, see you said so. Yeah, this is totally that's the girl you see at the bar and you're like, this is a mistake, but I'm so going to go chat that girl up. I'm totally going to go <laughs> buy her a drink. And then her boyfriend oh comes God. over and tries to beat the shit out of you. Like that kind of a thing. Oh, that's my not how it feels. Anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, um, where do you have the Jets record wise? I'm going to try. Like, we do, like we've done the past. I'm going to record everyone's record uh, and our predictions here. And uh, where, where do you have the New York Jets finishing here in 2023? I, I got them at nine and eight. Um, and simply because I, I think they, they split the division. I think they're 500 in the division go three and three, but they got to play the Cowboys on the road. They have to play the chiefs. They have to play at Denver. Uh, they got to play the chargers. Um, and, and those are, those are the big tough games. Uh, I think, and at Cleveland, if you, if you want to throw that in really, but that 
those non-division games are going to be uh, a challenge. Uh, and granted, like both the Eagles and the Chiefs are at home. Uh, this is this is one of the cool parts about the way we're doing it now is that the AFC East and the NFC East play each other in the in the schedule rotation this year. Um, so um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult uh, difficult task for them. And then they get the Chiefs on the on the on the weird draw uh, for the extra game. So. Uh, I don't think that there's there's a ton of wiggle room uh, with as good as that division is going to be. I think they're pretty pretty mediocre. And I'll, Rogers gives me the bump uh, over five hundred to to nine and eight. I'm going to go ten and seven just to say one win over Scotty, and because uh, I'm faithful in our boy Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I mean, hell, I almost went eleven wins, but I'll, I'll stick to ten. Wow. <laughs> See, because I think the roster is good enough that I don't think 11 wins is crazy. Like, I think no. if, you, if you give them a, a lot of other team schedules, I think realistically, I think this is probably a 12-win football team just because the defense is that good. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, what we think of Dallas and, you know, what we think of, you know, a team like Denver who they have in week five. Um, a team like Vegas who, you know, always has these weird wins in them. But they have to play Buffalo twice. They have to play Miami twice, and they have to play New England twice. And all four, all six of those games are going to be tough games. I don't think any of them are going to be rollovers. Um, so at, I think at best, realistically, with how good that division is, I think three and three in the division is a huge win. That means you're stealing one from each of those teams, right, theoretically, mm-hmm. or you find a way yeah. to sweep them. Uh, and then on top of that, can you find more than six wins on this res- on this schedule? For sure. I think, I think you can. And I will go with Vito here. Ah, I think, I think 10 and, I think 10 and 7 is the number. I think, oh, I think 10 I and 7 it. is the number for the New York Jets. Uh all right. Let's go back to the now back to back to back reigning AFC East Championship champions. The Buffalo Bills. Has it been three in a row now? At least two. Probably three, yeah. At least two. I think it is three. I think it's three, three in a row. Um, the Buffalo Bills. Now this is the team that this time last year, everyone was picking to win the Super Bowl. It's the Bills time. We were just coming off of the heartbreaking, you know, last second loss to uh, that, that incredible AFC championship game between the Chiefs and the uh, and the Bills or the, the playoff game, I guess it was the divisional round. Um, my thing here with the Bills is have, the, have they done enough yet? Have, have they done enough yet to convince you that the bills are ready to take another step. Yes. Make the, case. yeah, I'm with Vito here. Yeah. I think, I think it's exactly what you said. They've been around enough. Josh Allen went from in his first playoff run, maybe not his first, but very early making a pitch to a lie on a run to his running back, trying to make something happen and fumbled the ball. That was nuts. Right? Like we got to remember Josh Allen did that 30 yards downfield, pitched it to his running back. Love the rugby attitude, honestly, but he's been around enough. He's not making those mistakes. They had a tough loss last year and the year before. I think this is the year they at least um, can prove themselves and, and get to the ASU championship again. If not, you know, the Super Bowl. I think they deserve to be there. They have the skill set to be there. They have the talent. Um, you need a couple guys to stay healthy, including Von Miller. Uh, I think adds a lot of leadership of what it takes to get there. But I think this Bills team is absolutely still ready to go. I think on the line, listen, Josh Allen creates a lot of his own sacks. He's he's very much like uh, 
who's another quarterback that does that? But he he's one of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like Jimmy he, Garoppolo. <laughs> Shut up, Scotty. <laughs> Yeah, that mobile guy who runs around a lot and creates sex. No, but he'll, he'll hold the ball. He's like a Ben Roethlisberger, but actually has wheels. You know what I mean? Like, he'll yeah. stand there for a while, but he'll take off. And the thing about, about him is I feel like you need to push that because um, – and they did last year, remember? They were like, hey, we're going to run Josh Allen a lot. And then they held off, and the playoffs they tried to push it again. I mean, two years ago for sure. I think you need to find the right balance and figure that out, but – I really do believe that this team has what it takes to make a deep run and definitely win the division in my eyes. Keep in mind too, he's coming off an elbow injury. That's not dissimilar to, to something that Brock Purdy had. Like that was something they kept under wraps all season long, fought through it. Um, so it's something to watch for. I'm not saying it's, it's a, it's a do or die. Like, Oh, he's not going to be on the field or he's not going to produce as well. But like, I'm, I'm wearing six colors an eye and they just happen to be Bill's colors for a goddamn reason. <laughs> These guys are winning a goddamn division. Yeah, I I, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right about the the division for sure. Um, and it might be a down year. Like they lost Tremaine Edmonds, that was the biggest piece. But they That's then they go add one of the one of the biggest things that that we've had. They've kept the core together, but one of the biggest problems they've had is offensive line depth. And then they go out and get Connor McGovern in free agency. They draft Osiris Torrance, uh, who's a, the the guard out of Florida. Um, and I think if you can get, it's the same story almost every year, I feel like, a broken record. Uh, if you can get, like, C or better grades out of most of the the, the second line of, of, of uh, offensive linemen, then you're doing really well, especially for a guy as mobile as, as Josh Allen. Now, uh, if they figure the thing out with Stefan Diggs, where uh, whether it was play calling or whether it was uh, Josh Allen just straight up not getting him the ball or whatever it was, I think – that they're in a good position to uh, to uh, be successful on offense. And then that defensive core, for the most part, has stayed together, uh, which was elite over the last two years. And I think you're right, Vito. A guy like Vaughn Miller is going to do a lot to, to galvanize that uh, that unit. So I think, I think they're going to be good. Do I think they're going to make the push to get over the hump? It's going to be tough. I mean, the Chiefs and, and the Bengals have proven that they uh, they are here and they're legit. And then, you know, you throw in these, these one-offs like uh, the Ravens, uh, like, um, like the Jets, if we, if we want to throw them into the mix, um, that, that are going to be competing for, uh, for some of these spots uh, in, in, the, uh, in the lower seeds of the AFC that are legitimate title contenders. So, um, look, I, I think it's going to be tough, but I think they're, they're, they're the cream of the crop for the division. And uh that's what the old uh, macho man Randy Savage rises to the top, brother. Uh, and that's going to be Buffalo again. Yeah, I. Part of me is like this is the same thing as last year when we. When, yeah, when, it really when feels the, like when that. the AFC West and, and everyone was talking about it, and you guys both had Denver and the Raiders and the Chargers and all these teams. Like, and I was like, guys, don't overthink it. Like, it's the Chiefs. All right, it's the Chiefs. It's still the Chiefs division. Chiefs are still going to win. And ultimately what we saw was that's exactly what happened. The chiefs were the best team and they continue to be, because that's what, that's what they do. (laughs) I don't, I can't say it's the same thing though, because we haven't seen Buffalo do it. Right. We just haven't. And honestly, I I don't love their roster right now. Like, look, there's certain things you love, right? You love Stefan Diggs. You love Josh. Yeah. You you know, um, I love the first round draft pick Dalton Kincaid. I think he's going to, you know, you have Dawson Knox there too, but, 
Dalton Kincaid, you get him because he's going to be one of those really, really like special receiving type tight ends. Even if he ends up like a Mark Andrews or a Dallas Goddard. That's an upgrade over Dawson Knox as much as everyone loves Dawson Knox. The defense is more or less the same. All right. This defense had a lot of issues last year. They were fine. They were good. They could get after the passer. But they then Von Miller goes out, not to mention like old Von Miller, like not even like prime Von Miller, but old Von Miller yeah. goes out. And that was the reason the whole defense falls apart. Like that never really sat right with me. I just don't think this defense was all that good. I mean, they got beat by teams that they should not have lost to last year. Um, And I also think one of the underrated moves that didn't get talked about a lot in this cycle uh, this past off season was they got rid of their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. And historically speaking, whenever a head coach, has to take over a coordinator role for one of their coordinators, it doesn't end well. So Sean McDermott is now running the defense. There is no like official defensive coordinator for the staff. Sean McDermott is now going to be the head coach and the defensive coordinator calling plays for this defense. And I think that's kind of like a, like a sneaky desperation move because I, I think that Sean McDermott, if they don't find a way to get past this next level, if they don't find a way to get back to an AFC championship game, especially if they struggle within this division, that's going to be really, really tough. I think they're going to be in some hot water. I think he's going to be in some hot water. The defensive line should still be pretty good, right? You have depth, you have rotational guys, Greg Russo. I mean, still fine player, but not what you expect when you draft somebody in the top 15 in the, in the first round. Ed Oliver, who was a top 10 pick again, really, really solid player. Not what they hoped he would be. Daquan Jones, starting quality interior defensive lineman, Von Miller, who's coming off of another major knee surgery and knee issue. Don't love He's that. He's still nine in PFF. I mean, last year, he, dude, I, guys, elite. he had a, he had a, he had a great year, but it goes back to what we were just talking about. The return to play versus return to performance. And is he mm-hmm. in return to productivity? And is he going to be that same guy at his age coming off another major knee injury? I just don't know. And they, like, I, Tredavious White, same thing. He, I mean, he missed most of last season with his coming back from his ACL, but he's older now too. Kier Elam, who was a first-round pick at cornerback, is now on his second team. Uh, and then their safety room is great with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I just think this team may not be as good as people think. And I think when you look at a team like Miami, who is just going to be so difficult to defend, and obviously Tua plays a huge role in that and how much Tua is going to play, and we'll get to them next. I just, I have concerns, but at the same time, I'm like, but are you going to doubt Josh Allen? I just don't right. think I'm in the business of so doubting what, Josh Allen. So what do you got? What do you got for them? Record wise. I think the Buffalo Bills go 11 and six. I'm going to say 12. And yeah. five. Interesting. Now, now it's, it's just going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Is, is reasonable. The it's going to be hard. I think, I think they run. Yeah, it's nasty, If you look right? at the back, starting from week nine, they go at Cincinnati, home against Denver, home against the Jets, at Philly, bye week, at bye Kansas week. City, then Dallas, Los Angeles Chargers, New England, Miami. That's the last nine games they have to play. That's that's a gauntlet. That and you is. get you get Philly and, and Kansas City in back-to-back, well, with a bye week in between. But still, still I, and the challenge is the challenge too. there is staying healthy because that's part of like the yes. spot in the season where we've seen those critical guys uh, like Vaughn Miller last year go out uh, in, in spots like that. 
And, well, and, and look at their wide receiver room. Like I, I, they, as there's no Isaiah McKenzie this year, right? It's Stefan Diggs and, and Gabe Davis. And then yeah. Gabe Gabe Davis Gabe, didn't have the season. We all thought he was going to last year. No, remember the contract the year before. Yeah. Yes. That was nuts, dude. Like, and he's still good on those deep balls and stuff, but he was disappointing. is not there. Yeah. Now you, now you add Dalton Kincaid, who you hope is going to help out with some of that, but you have sure. a second, second year, fifth round pick Keel Shakir as your, as your third wide receiver and one injury. And Deontay Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. One injury and it could all, it could all shift. Uh, all right. Let's keep going here. Miami Dolphins. Oh, sorry, Scotty. Do you have, you have them going 11 and six, yeah. right? 11 and six. Yeah. I have them actually running through the division and then like splitting a, a lot of that uh, non-div schedule yeah. up. Into, I mean, they're into playing, four. they're playing Cincy, Philly and Kansas city, three of the teams, three of the four teams that were in the, and, and if, if you go NFC one and two and all those are road games and if you go one and two in those, like yeah. and survive without a major injury, like I'd be happy. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right. Miami. Um, one of the more interesting teams, I think we'll, uh, we'll see here uh, this off season. I think we've kind of fallen under this, uh, I don't want to quite say like the dream team, like the old, you know, the Eagles team with Vince oh, Young yeah, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a little bit to that. They go make the trade for Jalen Ramsey, which was a big, big move for them. Obviously we know what they have on, on offense between, um, you know, Tyreek and uh, Jalen Waddle. But the big question mark with this team is just Tua, right? Does Tua stay healthy? Tua who was contemplating retiring this past year. Um, I don't know, man. As he, if two as is, he should he, contemplate it, uh, yeah, for sure. If two is healthy the whole season, you can say, Hey, two is going to play 17 games. I actually think, especially now with Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator, I actually think they're probably the best roster top to bottom in this entire division. And I think they probably should win the division. But a lot of my concern with them is going to come down to how many games is Tua play. And if Tua does go down, is Mike White going to be able to do enough? With this, you know, everyone loves Mike McDaniel. I love Mike McDaniel too. I'm just very concerned about longevity and, and realistically whether this Miami team is going to be able to make it through the season with their starting quarterback. Yeah, not only quarterback, but you know, I I, I think that you nailed it on the defensive side. Uh, getting Fangio uh, to to help out on that side of the ball and adding Jalen Ramsey. Uh, getting Deshaun Elliott, who's a, a mid-level safety that can help with depth. Uh, Cam Smith, who they drafted out of South Carolina at safety. Um, I think that's going to help a lot. But, you know, because that was their their Achilles heel last year was that and Tua's health. Uh, and so if, if they can keep Tua on the field, I think it's going to be a really difficult uh, offense to to scheme for. Uh, who's the running back they drafted out of uh, Texas A&M? Achani. Devin Achani. Yeah. Um, Yes. Who, uh, who is an absolute burner. I think he's going to rise pretty quickly up the, the depth chart there. Um, but, you know, McDaniel's a, a, a disciple of Shanahan, so yep. throw the three running back set out there <laughs> and let it ride. Um, so I think some of that uh, kind of alleviates the pressure that, that Tua, uh, Tua will have because he's had some, he has some good outlets uh, in, the, in the backfield as well. Um, I, I do think... Uh, they've done enough on the offensive line to keep Tua healthy. Uh, you know, we back to the Demar Hamlin thing. We was talking the other day with uh, with 
uh, one of my buddies and I was like, do you remember when we almost watched a guy die on the field last year? And I was like, you mean two when we saw two yeah. go like belly up yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that had to be a paramount, uh, uh, need that the that the Dolphins filled in in the offseason, and I think they did uh, okay with that on the offensive line. I'm not sure how how much it will hold up. I do think that they are a strong enough team that they can, uh, and McDaniel's a smart enough guy that they can scheme up something really weird on offense, and then be uh, what I think is is well above what they played on a, on the defensive side of the ball. So for me, I agree. I think they only have four draft picks this year. So Cam Smith, the only dude, uh, the cornerback out of South Carolina, is the only guy really joining him. But what I love is they get that corner, right? They get Ramsey and they have Howard. And you nailed it on the fucking head, Scotty. The safeties. To me, this entire roster comes down to what are they going to do over the top? Because I'll tell you what, the Bills, and, and don't sleep on Mac Jones throwing the deep ball either. I'll tell you that. What is going to happen when the cornerbacks get past Ramsey and Xavier Howard? Like those guys are uh, what we call, especially, well, I'll say Ramsey's not really that type. Xavier Howard's definitely more of the cover two press, get in your face, great run stuffer. You're not going to run to his side, right? But on Ramsey, you're not going to run to his side either, but he's an all around corner. He can play deep better than, than Howard Cam, especially at this age. But as he gets older, what's going to happen with the safeties up top? I think if those safeties can't contain, which I personally don't have faith in them, that's why the Buffalo Bills are going to run on them, run up the middle and bomb it deep on them. And they have a good defensive line. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I, I do believe that, like, what's going to happen is there are going to be a lot of teams who are running a lot and they just need the safeties to bite. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. And if you can get them to bite, I think, I think both these teams that we've talked about, both Buffalo, um, and, and honestly, the Jets can both get the ball deep on this team. Can their own defenses hold up? I think Buffalo can do a better job of that than, than the Jets. But the Jets up front, I think, are better in, in some ways. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I, well, the way I see this team, though, is just it's all in that secondary. And the corners are elite players. It's just what's the scheme? Are you really going to have two safeties every time? If that's the case, then – your linebackers better be ready to cover deep posts and all that. And it's going to be a tough sled for this defense, but this offense, fuck man, they can put up points in 20 seconds. So I guess if that's the, if that's the thing they're going to die with, right. If that's a hill that the, that uh, Mike McDaniels and, and the dolphins are going to die on the power to them because they can score. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're going to put up a ton of points like between, I mean, again, like I also love sneaky, good sign to run out, got Braxton Berrios, um, who's kind of him and Cedric Wilson. We'll see a lot of back and forth because they'll be yeah. able to use him in the slot too, when they want to just keep Waddle and, and Tyreek on the outside. But you know, Mike McDaniel is going to just move those guys around like crazy. Um, whether it's Moster, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Uh, the, the kid you were talking about there, Scotty, the rookie out of A&M, like both, like all they're going to find ways to move the football. Mike McDaniels knows how to scheme up runs better than anybody. I still like their offensive line. I mean, Teron Armstead, like that was a massive signing for them last year. Uh, Connor Williams, another former Dallas Cowboys center. Um, I, I like Austin Jackson on the right side. You have uh, this third-year player going in his third year out of Notre Dame, Liam Eichenberg. Really, he, they slid him down. He was a tackle in college. They, he's not playing left guard. Um, so they have talent along the offensive line. I think the offense is going to put up points, but for as much as we've seen Mike white be 
really good, right, when he's filled in and really, really bad when he's filled in for the New York Jets. If Tua goes down, this team's not – like their ceiling drops dramatically because as much as I know I personally I – w- I'm not sure I would say slandered Tua, but might not be the biggest Tua fan in the world. Um, at some point, you do have to just look at the production and look at the, the stats and the numbers and say, look, this dude's putting up numbers. This dude's throwing the ball where he's supposed to throw it to to open receivers and getting his guys in positions to go out and make plays. And the longer, the more they do that, this team's going to win a lot of games because I do think the defense is going to be better despite there not being a huge adjustment in personnel. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey is a huge addition. They go out and they make the trade for Bradley Chubb. They're reuniting Bradley Chubb with his former head coach uh, in uh, when he was in Denver with Vic Fangio. But I think Fangio is the biggest addition that they made all year because Christian Wilkins has become an absolute stud playing that three technique, you know, um, and, and that hybrid interior exterior defensive line. Like he's a really, really good player. Uh, Raquan Davis is a very, very good nose tackle. Manuel Agba, they can bring Jalen Phillips down so they can kind of have that four man front as long as they don't ask him to do too much in terms of coverage. Um, I think they're going to be able to press the quarterback. And I think they have two really good corners on the outside. I'm curious to see what kind of defense Vic Fangio schemes up for this. If he still has his fastball as that defensive coordinator, because if he does, I think this defense is going to be really, really good. And I think there's a very, very real chance that they end up winning this division. In fact, if you tell me that, Hey, you are getting 17 games of Tua Tungavailoa as your starting quarterback, I would pick the Miami dolphins to win this division. But the thing is, is you can't, you Bold. can't, you can't promise me that you can't tell me that. And Tua's career even going back to Alabama is he's going to get hurt at some point. And while the offensive line might be better or it could improve this year, it's more or less the same group that they have, that they've been running out yeah. for the last couple of years. And I, and I don't think when you look at their schedule, when they play a team like Philadelphia, uh, like Buffalo twice this year, like the Los Angeles chargers in week one, you're the, Ravens. Uh, the, Wa- the Washington commanders who have an insane, the, the Ravens, like there are a lot of really good defensive lines, Cowboys. the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the New York jets that we talked Chargers, about, there's a yeah. lot of really, really good Jackson. defensive lines, the Jags too. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a really, really tough run for them this year along the offensive line. And that's assuming that they stay healthy along the offensive line. I don't see Tua playing 17 games. I think he'd probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 13. And because of that, I have them going nine and eight. And I think they'll be above 500. I think they'll win games. I think, I think they'll probably be a wild card team. But again, if you told me right now, Hey, you get 17 games to Tua. I think the Dolphins probably win that division. I really do. I just, those odds are low to your point. That's like minus 185 that he plays all 17 games, right? Like that's, that's, I'm sorry. Uh, play all 17 is like plus 185. It's almost double your yeah. money, I feel like. Because it, and it's almost yeah. worse too, because it's not even like a Lamar or a Jalen Hurts who it's like, yes, they they might seem like they take more hits because they're running the ball, their ball's in their hand more, but they can also protect themselves. Yeah. Tua can't protect himself right there. If the offensive line's not protecting him, he's a sitting duck. And the one criticism you can really say, even within the Mike McDaniel offense of Tua, is he still held the ball longer than he should have. And that led mm. to multiple issues last year. So unless the offensive line is like, a top five unit in football next year. I think they're going to have trouble there. And again, I say it every year. It always comes down to the trenches, nine and eight for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going, that's what I was going to point out. Eight and nine. You said I'm going eight and nine. I think, I think to your exact point, the trenches, it's too much. It's too tough of a division. It's a gauntlet. 
they crushed it last year and the overperformed. I, I, man, I, it's hard to say, but I, I, yeah, I'm thinking eight and nine. And I hate to see it. I think Tyreek and Waddle, I think this team deserves a spot in the playoffs, but I don't think they'll get it based on the division. I'm going to go, I'm going to buck the trend a little bit uh, just because I, I have faith in McDaniel and, and adjusting. Uh, because look, like speed can only get you so far, but it's it's how you deal with with the adversity. Even if Tua gets hurt, I think Mike game's good or Mike White is good for a game or two uh, to get you a win. That schedule's tough, but you know they go three and three in the division. I think I can find five other wins in the schedule uh, among Denver, uh, Kansas City Raiders, Titans, Cowboys, Ravens. That's pretty tough, but. Uh, I think it's doable for for its Chargers too. I think it's doable for a team that has enough speed and enough uh, innovation on offense uh, that they can get it done. I think they go ten and seven. And so, so you and I just have the Jets and the um, and the Dolphins flip flopped, which could come down to literally one game. You know, like that could literally just yeah, be like the right. Jets could still. You know, um, I just I it's crazy because I love Vic Fangio, and again, I think that's the biggest addition that they made all season. Um, I just want to see if he still has his fastball, you know, especially yeah, as a coordinator. Will, uh, yeah. yeah, I hope so. You know, yeah. and, and I I'm think gonna, I think he will. I'm, gonna I think he'll be good. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm changing. I'm changing to ten wins. I'm going all out. Wow! Thank all you. Right. Somebody gets and, it, and only because and I think does Tyreek get his two thousand <laughs> that he's no. promised? <laughs> no, I did see that. Yeah, no, I mean, I hope again. so. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen within the next two three years. Easy. If two is again, if two is healthy. For all 17 games, I think this team wins 12. I, I would set the over-under at 12 and a half. If you guarantee that Tua plays 17 games, and I would I would say 12 and a half, and I'd probably take the over. Because I, I do believe in this offense enough, and I think Vic Fangio is going to make the defense a lot better. I just, you know, Tua showed that he can he can run the offense. He's not shown durability. Um, and, you know, as we've seen, it just takes, takes one hit, takes one moment. Um, but from a roster standpoint, I actually think they're the best roster in the division. Uh, all right. One more team, the AFC West, and we'll take a quick break. Uh, the New England Patriots, which it's been a long time <laughs> since we've talked about the New England Patriots as the worst team in the AFC East. Uh, but I think it's fitting. I think it is fitting right now. It's um, probably the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, Crazy. maybe a stretch there. Uh, but yeah, between Parcells, I mean, the Pete Carroll teams, you know, there was a lot of hype going in. 95, he... they went to the Super Bowl. Like, it, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's that's fucking crazy. Um, and no, look, there, I think there's a lot to actually like about what the, what the Pats did. Um, similar to the, the, the uh, Dolphins, I think the biggest addition that they made in the offseason was at a coordinator position and bringing in somebody who actually knows how to call plays and actually Bill, knows Bill what he's Yo. doing. Bill O'Brien coming back. Another guy. I want to see what his fastball is like. I want to see if he's back now. Important remember these two work together at Alabama, Mac Jones and, and Bill O'Brien, right? They are familiar mm-hmm. with one another. They have worked together. Uh, and I think that's going to help Mac tremendously this year. Um, because what I don't like that we do is how quickly we will, we turn on guys sometimes, you know, like, Mac Jones, oh, yeah. after, after that class's rookie year, we all said Mac Jones was the best quarterback out of that class because Trevor Easy. Lawrence didn't have a good year. Justin Fields didn't have a good year. Uh, Zach Wilson didn't have a good year. Trey Lance didn't play. So everyone was kind of like, you know what? I, I kind of think Mac Jones might be the He's still now, not playing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> true. 
And now we flip it around and it's like, I don't know. I think Trey Lance has more trade value than Mac Jones does right now, because at least there's the upside of Trey Lance. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Because we haven't seen Trey Lance do it, you know, consistently. And if your team taking a flyer, would you rather have Trey Lance or Mac Jones right now? I think most people would say I'd rather have Trey Lance, but we are still only one year in where a guy's second year quarterback in the NFL had Joe judge and uh, uh, what's his stupid face, Matt Patricia, who was yeah. somehow on the Eagles coaching staff. Don't love that. Um, but Matt Patricia and uh, you know, Joe judge as his off co-offensive coordinators, like bill, I don't know what bill Belichick was doing last year. We said it at the time. We'll continue to say it. it's the most inexplicable thing we've seen in yeah. a very, very long time. Super weird. It's like playing a whole season without a wide receiver. Like really yeah. though. It, it, and like we'll find out tight ends and defensive backs. No, yeah, yeah no, no. Um, and I'll say this too: like, I'm not sitting here saying like Mac Jones is going to be, you know, some great. I think I think there's still a chance Mac Jones becomes like Kirk Cousins. Like I, think I was going to say, what do you think Kurt was at this point? Like, come on, exactly. Yeah. Like I think there's still a chance that Mac Jones, which by the way is a very solid quarterback, with a that if you had a really good defense and good skill guys, great trophy could, room too. Yeah, could could make a run down to, you know, the, the postseason somewhere. So I'm not giving up on Mac Jones yet, um, but I'm going to be curious to see. By the way, your boy, Trace McSurley, currently a, a New England Patriot. Didn't yeah, so is Mike Kosicki. <laughs> Mike Kosicki. They're getting the band back together. Yeah, that hey, was a great um, addition by them. So, again, Bill, Bill O'Brien's by far the most important addition that this team made. Ramondre Stevenson proved himself to be a really, really good running back. They go out and sign Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae yep. Parker. They keep back who – I don't know if you've seen some of the advanced numbers. Like, Devontae yeah. Parker gets the least amount of separation by a wide receiver, like, ever. Like, every catch single – rate's so high for those contested catches. Which yeah, is contest- like yeah, wild. Because everyone gets- is contested, to your point. Yeah, yeah. but he's <laughs> literally – yeah. But he just gets zero sep- – like, every single year he's been in the no. league, he's <laughs> finished last in qualified wide receivers – Every single year, Warren that's Sharp insane. had that stat like a month ago. I was, I was like, "That's crazy!" Uh, that's and then insane. they draft, they draft Tyquan Thornton, um, the rookie out of T- uh, is it TCU. Is he TCU or Tennessee? Uh, Baylor. Just kidding. Um, and that was yeah. So that was actually last year's draft. God, there's too many Thorntons. Um, yeah, Christian Gonzalez at, at the Gonzo. top of the draft. Stoked. Uh, yeah, their first round pick with their yeah, um, and then obviously with Jonathan Jones, who was the rookie last year, who uh, impressed a amazing. lot of people. Yeah, um, Jabril uh, Jabril Peppers. They go and uh, I think they got him last year. Keep him on. They still have yeah. uh, Matthew Junon. I think they're going to be solid. You know, I think they're in a tough position right now because of how good the the, the division is. But if you put this team in like the AFC South. You know, with Tennessee and Indianapolis, like I think they'd be right up there for one of the best teams in in, in that yeah, division. Yeah. Um, they're just going up against three teams that could all be very, very good football teams this year. And I think it's it's gonna be interesting to see. I it's wild to me that they're basically like their entire wide receiver room are people who just can't get separation between Juju Smith Schuper Schuster and uh Devontae Parker. Like neither one of them is like they're all they're both kind of possession receivers. I- <laughs> I was gonna say, I love how Matthew Slater's still on the team, who will never see a, a fucking snap at the wide receiver position, but is a wide receiver for special teams. Yes, yeah. shout Listen. out to Santa Margarita. He went to our high school. Remember when they had Hilarious. Chris Hogan, who was a Penn State lacrosse player, playing yeah. wide receiver? Oh yeah, Chris <laughs> Hogan's a legend. Um, <laughs> they also draft Cole Strange uh, at left mm. guard, so they have. Uh, they had some- a pretty decent draft. 
they had a good draft and they also have some investments along the offensive line. Again, the biggest thing with them is going to be how much of a difference does Bill O'Brien make? Um, and similar to the Vic Fangio thing, does Bill O'Brien still have that fastball? I'd be very curious to see. So personally, I think on the defensive side, the biggest thing is what's going to happen in the secondary. They're shut down, man. Like Bill O'Brien's always been able to tutor the defensive backs. It's where he started at um, way back in Indy. Uh, in the seventies, then he went, you know, to the giants in the eighties and a bunch of spots in between. But in my mind, if it were up to me, uh, I, I'm, I'm taking this defense as probably a top five defense in the NFL. Um, and that has to do with the style of offensive play they're probably going to have and the tight end play. Like you said, they have two, they have Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. They have a couple of good wide receivers outside or Smith Schuster and Parker. Um, they run the ball. Well, um, I, I personally think that with them and Stevenson, they can get this thing going. They're a team James Robinson I too. A hard, I have a hard time saying they're going to be above 500, but then again, Bill Belichick's a really hard coach. I have betting below 500, especially with Bill O'Brien. So I'm going to go ahead and say nine and eight as a very crazy abstract fan of Bill O'Brien. Um, Listen, I've seen what that guy can do up close and personal, and I think he's special. I think that you have a good quarterback with a great coordinator finally. Give him this year. Give him next year. Um, look at what look at what Bill O'Brien did with Christian Hackenberg in his first year at Penn State, right? Look at what Bill O'Brien did with Mac Jones way back in the day. Um, so I, I think we're going to see some special shit out, out of Mac Jones. I should say special enough to get wins in the NFL. And I think he's not Nate. Yeah. I think Billy O can lock up or get the best out of, of Mac Jones. Um, we saw it. We saw it at Alabama. I think, I think there's uh, something to be said about that continuity uh, for, for a young quarterback in the NFL. Uh, the rest on offense, you know, you add James Robinson for depth in the backfield. I think Ramon J. Stevenson is going to be really good again, uh, but you lose Jacoby Myers and replace him with Juju. And to me, that's like a like for like, but you replaced a younger guy with an older guy. And it's like, I, I, that, that one doesn't make sense guy. to me. He's, so I think it's, it's, Juju's better than, than Jacoby Myers. I think, I think he could be, I think he could be, um, but not when you're asking Juju to be like the, the one or one a, yeah, the number one. Um, and he's no longer playing with Patrick Mahomes, which helped him a yeah. lot last year. Um, and so I, I I think that's that's going to be the the trouble on offense. On defense, we were sitting here last year at the same time talking about there's not a name on this roster that you know. This is going to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And sure as hell, Bill Belichick coaches up a defense and they were top five in the NFL. Uh, uh, so I, I'm not worried about that as much. Uh, I, I am, again, worried about what they what they can produce on offense because if they go uh, – if, if if Billy O and, and, and uh, Belichick are clashing heads uh, going, no, we're going to run the ball. And Belichick's like, no, you drafted a quarterback. We're going to unleash the ball. Like, let's go. Um, that, that could, that could be a detrimental to their offense uh, a little bit uh, as far as scheme goes. So I think they're there. Um, I think it could be sub 500 in the division, say two and four. Um, and there's not a whole lot on the schedule that excites me. Um, they they probably do better in non-div than than in their div. I'm gonna go eight and nine. Just 
I, it, it's hard for me to bet against Belichick and, and yeah. Bill O'Brien um, on on a Patriots sideline <laughs> together uh, to go sub five hundred, but I just don't think it's there right now. Like the defense will keep going a lot, they have more a games, lot but... of tough games, man. Well, and so yeah. that's that's kind of where I'm at because I'm in the same boat as you, Scotty. Because my gut tells me, looking at their like their schedule and doing the fan thing where you go through each game, you're like, that's a win. That's a loss. That could be a win or whatever. And I usually try to group it. It's like break it up into groups of three, like out of these three games, what, a, like what it's the most likely outcome. They go like one and two or two and one or three and oh, whatever. I'm counting like seven wins that like, I would feel pretty like gettable games. Yeah, yeah. Like games that like, in their first four, in the first four games, they're not going to be favored. They won't be favored against Philly, Miami, really? the Jets, or Dallas. They won't, and then then they play New Orleans and Vegas back to back weeks again. Either one of those games, I could see them losing. Like with Derek Carr and Jimmy I'm, G and stuff, I, I could see them losing either one of those games comfortably. Um, Washington, with how good their defensive line is, I mean, we don't know what Sam Howell's going to look like, and we'll talk about them in our next segment. But I don't know. Indy should definitely be a win. The Giants could could be a win. They could lose that. That's a gettable game. Pittsburgh, it's gettable. Denver have no idea what the Sean Payton effect's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's at Denver too. Like to me, like guaranteed wins on this schedule. I'm like, I think they'll take at least one of the six games in the division. Could be two, but I don't think it's gonna be more than two. I think they're likely to beat New Orleans and Vegas. And I think they'll definitely be Indy. That's four. And then you're like, all right, can they squeeze off a win against Pittsburgh, against the the Giants, against Denver? My gut's telling me six and 11, which seems really low. And because of Belichick, I'm going to give them one more. I'm going to have them going seven and 10. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you, when you analyze it that way, like it's hard to find those games on the schedule. Um, Yeah. Because they have, because they have Philly, they have Philly, they have Buffalo twice, they have Kansas City, they have the Chargers. Um, uh, That's just tough. In December is not going to be fun, and then they play the Steelers or the Chiefs the next week, and then they're at Denver and at Buffalo. Yeah, at at the Giants, I think is going to be tough. You know, because the Giants have won a lot of those weird games. So, uh, all right, that's our AFC East uh, preview based off of how Scotty has it. He has the Bills. Dolphins, Jets, Pats. Vito has uh, the Bills, but then Vito also has the Jets and the Dolphins both going ten and seven. So who wins the tiebreaker? Um, Jets. All right. So Buffalo, Jets, Miami, New England, and then I also have Buffalo, Jets, Miami, New England uh, going out. All right. Quick break. Come back. We'll hit the NFC East. All right. Switching it up now. I think we did this this division last last year if i if i recall correctly um we were talking about the nfc east home of your defending na- uh i almost said national uh, the oh, nfc bro. champion philadelphia Sorry. eagles uh very very the, Bowl, the chiefs the didn't get up. that intro shut the fuck chiefs up we haven't because we haven't done the afc west yet sir i would i would absolutely do the same thing and when we do the AFC or the NFC West, I'll say home of your uh, runner-up in the NFC Conference Championship, San Francisco 49ers. See? So I see you. I wouldn't have done that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
we are going to start with the birds here. Um, I believe we have to go all the way back to 2005 to have the last time that the uh, NFC East has had back-to-back champs. Um, it just continually has just changed hands year after year. Another team wins. It does feel like this year could be the first time in a while that we've had that broken up, but the Cowboys also have a pretty good roster over there as well. Um, there's, I guess, a few things you can kind of go with here when we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, because I think on paper, like they're still the best team in the division. Um, they surprised people last year. Jalen Hurt surprised people last year. I don't think people are really expected them to take the jump that they did. Uh, and in a lot of ways, they retained a lot of the stuff that matters on their roster. They've added some other pieces that I think can really, really help this team. They obviously did a really good job in the draft. Uh, which I'm very excited to see how guys like Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith kind of work their way into the uh, work their way into this, this rotation and, and um, this, this roster, but the two biggest losses for them, at least the number one biggest loss for them was losing Shane Steichen um, who had become one of, yeah. if not the best offensive coordinator play caller that we had um, at least in terms of assistant coaches, you still have your Kyle Shanahan's and you still have your Sean McVay's who are elite level play callers. But what Steichen was able to do and his his feel of the game was huge. Um, and then the other coordinator they lost, which everyone who knows this podcast knows how I feel, um, Jonathan Gannon, which to me, I say good riddance. I say, that, you know, it's hard to be worse in big moments than Jonathan Gannon was or to be worse against really good quarterbacks than Jonathan Gannon was. Uh, but at the same time, the guy put together a top five defense and this defensive line last year was amazing. And now so much of this new coordinator situation between Brian Johnson taking over on the offensive side, Sean Desai, the new defensive coordinator for the Eagles. I think how the two of them end up performing and filling in is actually going to be a huge part about where this team goes and how much they can ride uh, the momentum from last year. And of course, just like any team that loses in the Super Bowl, what kind of Super Bowl hangover do we see? Right. Is it a situation where last year the Cincinnati Bengals, everyone's like, oh, Super Bowl hangover, Super Bowl hangover. And then what do we see them playing in the AFC championship game for a second consecutive year? You know, Um, but throughout the beginning part of the season, we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals as this team was slow out of the gates coming off of that Super Bowl. Um, How much of an impact will the Super Bowl hangover, the runner up hangover have on this Philadelphia Eagles team? And is that a bigger issue? Or is it a smaller issue than what I was saying before about these coordinators changes and the turnover? Before you get into it, Vito, because you are you and Jeff are you're even more boots on the ground, I feel like, than than Jeff in some ways. Uh, my answer is it doesn't. Um, I think the 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 quality and makeup of of athlete, let alone uh, skill as a football player that these guys have, and not only that are returning. Uh, but that they have drafted, uh, I think, are those that will will look at the situation and be like, well, NFC is still pretty wide open. Our division is the toughest division in the entire NFC. Um, and really, the goal at the end of the day is to climb the mountain where we were uh, We were still on the face uh, of that mountain last year and, and almost made it to the top. And I think that the the work ethic... Uh, because, and we talked a lot about this at the end of last season, the guys who had the biggest impacts on the Eagles last year are Philly guys. Like they, they make, they embody the city, they embody the fan base. Um, 
And I think they're really going to, to, I'm sure they've taken to the off season uh, and, and reset and done the work and are ready to come back in the next, what, two weeks. I think they report on the 25th to, uh, to camp and, and we'll be just locked in from day one. I, I really firmly believe that. And I think they will be the first half uh, of the rematch in the NFC championship game. Listen, man, I think, I think that this comes down to some key re-signings made at the end of the postseason. And um, I think it's guys coming back to play. It's, it's Kelsey and it's Lane Johnson, right? I feel like securing that offensive line, you know, with my and, and with the other guys there, um, you know, I'm excited to see if, if Cam Jurgens plays. There's going to be just a, a huge force up front for the Eagles that now that Swift's on the team, like, listen, that dude's talented. That guy, we always talk about five-star guys, right? When we're talking college football, if you're a five-star guy, you have the talent to make it to the NFL. That's what you're judged on. DeAndre Swift was a five-star guy. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is a guy who has talent. And with this line in front of him, this is, I mean, yeah, Detroit was good, but there were issues there in general. This is the best offense he's ever been a part of easily. And to see what he's going to do behind this line. And then on the defensive side, listen, to get Carter up front, he's a plug and play guy. He, uh, and, and the fact is that you have him and the worst guy on that offensive line, the worst rated guy, is Fletcher Cox, which is an embarrassment because that dude's still a force of nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about your rating. You watched Fletcher Cox play. You know that guy's making a difference when it matters, and that's the thing that we love about him. Like, this defense still has it. They re-signed a lot of the secondary players. I mean, Jeff, tell me, like, I, I, I don't want to be too optimistic, but I don't see a weakness in this team. Maybe maybe at the linebacker spot, but they drafted some guys. Someone's going to work out what, there. What, what do you think about this team? Because I think this, the, like, the ceiling is stayed where it was at, which is literally off the goddamn screen in the Super Bowl. And I yeah. think that, like, <laughs> that's their ceiling again, right? I, I think it is. I think it sh- is, and I think it should be. I, I, I will say, I think coming back after what happened last year, there aren't a lot of guys who have that mental fortitude and like have the personality to kind of lead a team through that. And I think, I think the combination of Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni as leaders is a perfect combination for that because you're going to have the coach who is tireless, tirelessly optimistic, but also keeps people accountable, right? Like they're not satisfied with it, with what happened last year. And I honestly, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be affected by what happened. Like There are so many players, so many professional athletes who get to that point where they get to the pinnacle and they come up just short. And then they're just never quite the same after that. Or it's something that's kind of in the back of their head. Like even someone like Matt Ryan, who's had a, who had a tremendous NFL career, he was never the same guy after the 28 to three, right? You know, when they got there, they had the year that it all made sense. It all clicked. It just never really seemed like it was going to be like that again. Jalen Hurts is the type of guy that I think, barring injury and everything, absolutely can. And I think this team rides and dies with a guy like Jalen, who's like the first thing he wanted to do after the Super Bowl was get back to work and and do this kind of stuff. And Joe Burrow, I think, is a cut from a very similar cloth, which is why I think that Cincinnati team was able to rebound. I think they'll be – I don't think this year is going to be last year. I don't think they're going to win, what is it, 14 games like they won last year? Like, I don't think that's – They won 80% of their games. They were 16 to 20. If you look at the whole season, it's incredible. 
Yeah. Like think you about know? any team with an eight in front of it, it. It rarely happens each decade, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, and I don't see them winning that many games again this year, especially considering how difficult their schedule is going to be. But I actually think their roster is as good, if not better. I think the offensive lines can be really, really, really good. Um, losing, losing Isaac Sayamalu on the offensive line. Like we all talk about how good the offensive line is. That's a loss. It absolutely is. Like, I don't care what Isaac Samalu was the unsung hero, the forgotten fifth guy on that offensive line, but he's a really, really damn good football player. Now, Cam Jurgens, who was the rookie that was handpicked by Kelsey to be his replacement at center, is going to get time to play this year and is likely going to be the starting right guard. And I think he's going to do really well. He's, in, he's such a sick athlete in the same way that Kelsey is that I think they're going to be able to use him in really, really fun ways in the running game. Um, I'm concerned, like my biggest concerns with this team are virtual unknowns at this point, which is what can Brian Johnson, who is uh, the offensive coordinator, who was the quarterback's Mm -hmm. coach last year, has known Jalen Hurts since Jalen was in middle school and is as childhood like uh, or uh, Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts' dad are like best friends that go back 25 plus years. Um, Like, I think having that kind of relationship is going to be good, but he's never called plays in the NFL. And we don't want to be in a situation where Nick Sirianni has to start calling plays again, right? So Brian Johnson needs to be good at calling plays. The offense will be there. Like, the talent is all throughout. DeAndre Swift, Rashard Penny, like, the two of them. Rashard mm-hmm. Penny's like, if he stays healthy, I mean, what a steal at $1.7 million. That's you still insane. Have, you still have Kenny Gainwell and then DeAndre Swift and Boston Scott. So, like, it's going to be another rotation at the running back position, which is good. Uh, I love – the AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, are going out and getting Alameda a, a Zacchaeus, or as I call him, Zucchini. Um, Zucchini. For, <laughs> in free agency this year, who took a pay cut, who was a solid, like, number two wide receiver, like, nothing special, like, would be a low, like, number two receiver for most teams. Having him in that slot role, and he can give you something different than Quez can do. Uh, Quez needs to have a big year. Obviously, Dallas Goddard's one of the best settings. Like, all the pieces are there offensively. Um, it's just can Brian Jans- Johnson call plays to a similar level to Shane Steichen did last year, and I think the offense is still going to be really, really good. Defensively, if Sean decides the guy that I think he is and the guy who I think he's going to be, I think the Eagles' defense is going to be significantly better than last year. And when I say that, keep in mind, remember the schedule the Eagles played last year. Remember the lack of high-level quarterbacks that they played that made that defense look as good as it did. The secondary is still going to be really good, right, between James Bradbury and Slay on the outside. You have Avante Maddox. I also love the signing of Greedy Williams um, to come in as another potential backup corner or a, a nickel guy. Keely Ringo, the rookie out of Georgia, another one of the Georgia guys of this team. Um, Reed Blankenship, undrafted free agent last year who filled in big time when C.J. Garner-Johnson was out and missed seven games and played really, really good. They went out and signed Terrell Edmonds, who at least you have a veteran at the strong safety position. The kid I'm most excited about on this defense, the rookie out of Illinois, safety Sidney Brown, I love that dude. I think he's going to be an absolute star. Like, I think he's going to be an, a legitimate game changer. And I, I think at some point throughout the season, he takes over the starting safety job. But the defensive line is ridiculous. Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat. Uh, obviously, you still have Hassan Reddick. 
Um, and Nicobe Dean, even like, without he, Javon Hargrave, like, <laughs> yeah, without Hargrave and like Jordan Davis needs to have a, another big yeah. year. Like this is where the last two drafts both need to come up big for them. Nicobe Dean needs to play really, really well for them. Um, Nolan Smith, the rookie has to play well for them. Jordan Davis has to play well for them. Uh, and then obviously Jalen Carter, it's hard being a, pu- a plug and play interior defensive lineman in the NFL. It rarely ever happens. But if someone has the talent to be able to do it, I do think it's Jalen Carter, but they're going to work him in slowly. He's not going to play more than probably 50% of snaps for the first eight weeks of the season, but that's kind of the way the Eagles always end up rotating their defensive line. And if anyway, if Sean Desai is about all the stuff he's been talking about since filling in, which are like, we're going to be mean, nasty bullies. We're pissed off. Like then watch out. Cause this team has way too much talent to not be, the best team in the NFC East. And I think that they inevitably will. I have the Eagles going 12 and four, sorry, 12 and five went back to the old 16 game formula. (laughs) Um, I think they go 12 and five uh, because this roster is tough or this uh, schedule is tough. Um, You start out with new England, you get Minnesota who, who knows Minnesota could be good or they could be tanking this year. I I don't know. Um, The Rams, no idea what the Rams are going to look like. That could be a trickier game, but then it's, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bills, New England. You get two games against Dallas. Man, wait till the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then they That's get when you, week, you really hit it. <laughs> by week in week 10, and then it's at Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle, New York, Arizona, New York. That's a hard stretch. But if this team is the team that we think they are, they should win at least five of those games, if not more. And that would put them at five yeah. and three to close out the regular season. And I think realistically, yeah. this team should win 12 games. And I'm with you on the on the schedule. I think it's it's when you play those guys. I, I would love to to get Minnesota early, just knowing like how big of a question mark they're gonna be uh any given year. Tampa Bay, we don't know what they're gonna be yet. Uh, you know, they could be really good <laughs> with with Baker Mayfield. They could be uh pretty pathetic, but either way. Uh, you don't want to learn what they are at the end of the season and then have to go play them uh, on mm-hmm. the road. Uh, you get them early. That's that's a, a positive boon. L.A., I don't know what you think you're going to see in L.A. That's the worst team and the worst defense I've ever seen. They have the greatest defensive player of all time on their on their defensive line. Um, that stretch, like it, from November to really to to middle, well, to the end of the year it is is really tough. Uh, I mean, really from week six on, like, because you're at the Jets, Miami, Washington, Dallas, right? They, they, they lost to the commanders in the regular season last year. Right. And then can now the one nice thing is they get Kansas city after the bye. Um, but I mean, Kansas Kansas city, City, Buffalo, San Francisco, (laughs) Dallas, that's, that's a really tough four game stretch. I think, I think they'll be relieved at Seattle. Maybe that'll even be a drop from fatigue, but they're coming home and winning against the giants on, Christmas day. That's, yeah. uh, that's happening. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy. Seven out of their last Silver eight lining games, seven out of their <laughs> last eight games of the season, actually. And if you even want to go further up there, uh, if you go up from week seven all the way through week 18, so their last 11 games, they only play one team that wasn't in the playoffs last year. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of the Niners schedule is too. Or two, I guess too. Cause they have Washington. Place, yeah. You get all those first place teams, but yeah, you, I yeah, mean, trust me. Some of them will fall off too, you know. And that's part I, of I, it too, right? So yeah, to, absolutely. To keep going with the schedule, I have them also at twelve and five. I have the exact same thing. Listen, fourteen wins is 
that like the game against the Vikings in week two, they just blew them out. It was out of nowhere. Vikings were, they won a lot of games, but the point is that the Eagles won some games that like were honestly kind of the other team sucking and them also being very good, but I don't think that's happening as much. You're going to get every team's best being the defending NFC champs. So you are going to get it harder. I think they get 12 wins. I think they win the division comfortably. I do. Um, Overall record, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, the one question I wanted to ask, and I know we're going a bit long on the Eagles, but this is a, an Eagles-centric podcast for the most part. Yeah, uh, do you think the the analogy of, and this is coming from a Niners fan, of Robert Sala's transition to D'Amico Ryan's is as uh, Jonathan Gannon's is to uh, Nick Desai? Oh, uh, uh, Sean Desai? Um, Sean Desai, yeah, sorry. I mean, so the thing I actually really like about the move is that Desai comes from the Vic Fangio tree of defensive coaches. Um, yeah. Jonathan Gannon does not. Uh, I think that stylistically it's going to look like a, a much different defense this year. That's that stuff I complained about constantly last year about uh, Bradbury and Slay playing eight, nine yards off yeah. the ball every right? fucking snap. Like we're not going to see that as much. We're going to see much more yeah. five-yard splits, right? We're going to see things – it's going to look a little different. Um, it's going to feel dirty. Like, I, I've gone under a lot of these – I mean, Vic Fangio was my head coach for a little while, the Broncos. To Jeff's point, like, this team, I think this is actually a perfect match of personnel. I think so, identity. too. I, I'm excited yeah. for this defense more than I've been yeah. ever since really watching. And, and again, if all if, – if there's as much – bite to there is bark with all of the Sean decide talking like everything he's talked about. I, I mean, then it's, it feels almost like Kirby smart type stuff where it's like, you know, that we're going to beat the, we're not just going to beat him. We're going to bully him type of shit. You know, I, I think we're going to see some of that out of this Eagles defense. And I feel like the identity is going to change. Uh, yeah, a that's little. why they drafted all the Georgia guys. <laughs> um, but I, you know, again, like Bradbury and slay, they're both, they're not young. You know, I, I and safety is a weak spot, and I I'm still very high on Kobe Dean, and he made plays constantly when he filled in last year, um, in the second half of some games. But now it's like, hey, dude, this is your defense now. Like you had your year to get caught up. Let's see you do it now. And, and all the concerns we had about him being undersized, and does he have the athleticism and the strength, everything to handle that? It's going to come out. And again, I think it should. I think it should, but I don't think we can say for sure yet until we see it that it's going to be that way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's hop to the second place team from last year, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dallas, pretty quiet off season other than, you know, look, no more Zeke. Zeke is officially out of Dallas uh, and they add Brandon Cooks. So the offense and obviously to the big change that they made a coordinator, um, what I always blank on his name, quarterback from Boise State, Kellen Moore. Uh, I literally have to just say like quarterback Boise state. And then his name pops into my head just every <laughs> single time. Uh, Kellen Moore gone. And this is now going to be a similar to what we were saying with Sean McDermott. Mike McCarthy is now going to be calling plays and running the offense for Dallas. And for the life of me, I have no idea if that's going to be, it's not going to be a good thing. It's not. Now, will there be games where it nope, looks really, really, be. really good? What, will there be games where it looks really, really, really good? Yes. Absolutely, 100%. There will be. Um, the defense should still be really, really, really good. 
between Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, um, like you have plenty of talent. Um, I do think the Stephon Gilmore signing is, is drastically overrated. I see Cowboys fans saying all the time, being like best quarterback room in the league. It's like, dude, Trevon, Trevon Diggs, like we know what his game is. He's, he's, a, he's like a modern day Asante Samuel. He tries to jump routes. He'll get burnt all the time and he'll make big plays. And we'll talk about, Oh, Trevon Diggs, like another, he's also going to get burnt a lot. And that's what happened to that defense, but the defensive line is still going to be really, really, really good. Stephon Gilmore at this point in his career, I think is a really solid number two cornerback. I don't think he's going to be anything more than that. And I think teams are going to be able to pick on him too. Ultimately with the Cowboys, it's like, is this just, is this going to feel like something different? Is this going to feel different at all than what it's felt like for the last, you know, seven years, eight years since Dak's been in Dallas? So I have, I, I think it is. And here's why. I think that I'm finally placing a little more trust in ownership. I hate to say it, but let me, let me read you off a couple of things. Interesting. Okay. I, I liked that. I came, that came out in the last year. First of all, did you know on, on the money side, right? An owner's job is to make money technically, right? Or to win championships is what we think. But most owners are trying to make the most money. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys in the last year have netted $1.5 billion. And the next closest franchise in the entire world is Real Madrid at netting $700 million. Mm-hmm. He is over double the next place in the entire world, let alone the NFL. This dude is killing it, which is why the owners are following him. I saw that and I was like, okay, but like we always give him shit as a GM. And I got to say the one pick, which is heartfelt. We also the video, but that I love Deuce Vaughn. I think Deuce Vaughn, the sixth round, that pick is one of those picks that we're going to look back and say, this guy made a difference in his rookie year and helped Dak make this offense a little more dynamic, which it hasn't been as much. I mean, Tony Pollard is great running the ball. I mean, give it to him, but he can't handle a full load for a full season. That's just not happening. Yeah. I, in my opinion, right? I mean, he's had some injuries. I, I really think that this Deuce Vaughn pick was huge. I like a lot of their draft. I like drafting at the line. Listen, man, I think that Dallas is actually going to have a really good year, end up second again. But I think that this team is, is uh, defensively going to be better than we think. Nope. I'm over it. Stop <laughs> showing me the same thing. Stop. It's over one and five in the division. They're not good. Like they have, they have good talent and they don't do anything with it. And if, if you're going to ask Mike McCarthy to be the play caller for that game or for, for the season, like forget about getting the best out of Dak. Like it's a wrap. It's an absolute wrap. And then on top of that, you're going to throw in that you have zero depth in your running game, which has been the strength of your offense for the last four years while Zeke is there, forget it. Tony Pollard's coming back off of of, uh, an injury that he had to have surgery for. It's going to take time to get reacclimated in the offense. When he's out there, he's great. But if he's the only weapon and that, that doesn't open up a whole lot for Dak uh, in, in the passing game, especially if Mike McCarthy's playing calls, we saw how much he loves like dink and dunk with, with even with Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like it ain't it for me, man. Defense is going to keep you in a lot of games, but I, I don't think – I think they they will drastically underachieve in the division. And, and that, again, they play the AFC East as the, as the cross-divisional this year. <laughs> that does not bode well for them. Yeah, I think they're in a tough spot with, uh, with, with their schedule. 
Um, I like the roster. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I like the roster. I think the roster is solid. Um, the offensive line, I mean, look, how many more injuries does Zach Martin have to get or Tyron Smith or any of these guys? If their offensive line is healthy for the whole season, like, I could see them winning the division. Like, I don't think it's that crazy. Um, I think the Brandon Cooks pickup is really smart. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, they, they traded Amari Cooper in, in, inexplicably last year. For, for what seems – and it, it made a huge difference in their passing game. You know, they had uh, – what's his name? The, the tight end who was there for uh, – that, Schultz. That's Schultz, yeah. who everybody loved Dalton Schultz. Schultz. And I kept telling people, like, no, it's like he's only good because he's the fifth option in the offense yeah. and he's the guy who ends up being that. open. And then they lose Amari Cooper last year, and then he wasn't even good enough for them to re-sign. Now they have the kid Jake Ferguson, who was a really good, you know, younger prospect who's cheaper. I get it. It's actually a very smart, like, GM front office move on their part to let Dalton Schultz leave, let him go get paid somewhere else, and then you can keep Jake Ferguson, who's a younger guy on his rookie contract. They got Schumacher, too, out of of Michigan. Mm -hmm. So they have plenty of talent on the offense side of the ball. I do agree with Scott to an extent, like we've never seen Tony Pollard be the only guy except when Zeke is hurt. And it does make you wonder a little bit that thunder lightning kind of thing between the way Zeke ran the ball and always getting fresh legs. Ronald Jones, isn't going to be doing it for you. Malik Davis isn't going to be doing that for you. Deuce Vaughn, maybe, but Deuce Vaughn's more the lightning than the thunder. So how much can Tony Pollard really do? Not to mention, he wanted a long-term contract uh, extension this offseason. He did not get it as the not, deadline the yeah. deadline passed as we started recording today. He did not get his thing, so he's not playing under the franchise tag. Um, I I have a hard time thinking the offense is going to be better with Mike McCarthy, but the offense still has plenty of talent on it that it's still going to be a good offense. And Dak Prescott is still a good quarterback. I will continually say this over and over and over again. I don't care if he's a cowboy, even though all my family wants to shit on me every single time I say Dak Prescott's actually a pretty good quarterback. (laughs) I'm just telling you, like he just is like, say what, if you don't want it, fine, whatever. Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. Is he good enough to win you a Super Bowl? If you have an amazing team around him, maybe. I do not think particularly with Mike McCarthy calling plays and now running the offense that this offense is going to look better, but could it be as good as it's been over the last few years? Yeah, I think it could. Um, but yeah, it's so this... divisional round and, and it's over. <laughs> exactly. And to your point about the, the business side of it, Vito, like, yeah, they kill it. They've been the number one sports franchise since the nineties in terms of value. They are always, they were the first ones to be worth over a billion. They're the first ones to be worth over, you know, Every year on the Forbes top value list of the most 100, what is it, top 25 most valuable franchises, the Cowboys are always number one because of Jerry's world and all this crap that goes into that that valuing. But it doesn't change anything for me. Like, there's still a team that makes the playoffs and then lose in the first round, or they have a catastrophic injury and end up drafting in, like, the top 15. Um, I do think the defense is going to be really sick. Dan Quinn's a really fucking good defensive coordinator, and they have a lot of really good talent. Demarcus Lawrence seemingly he's one of those guys that's kind of up and down constantly constantly um yeah their interior ceiling oh but they still have landon vader uh leighton vander esch who came back last year and actually had a pretty good season he's fine you know um but i don't know like i just i don't see this roster as being better than phillies i don't see the coaching staff being better than phillies i don't see the talent top to bottom being better than phillies um and even with Brandon Cooks, and hopefully you get a rejuvenated, healthy Michael Gallup, I, I don't think they are. But I think they're good enough to be an 11 or 12 win team. And that's why I, I have them at 11 and six. 
They have to play a really Oof. tough schedule. They get um, they get the Giants week one, which is a tough start to the season in New York, uh, New York City. Then they have the Jets. They have New England. They have San Francisco. They have the Chargers. Philly twice. Um, who else? Uh, Seattle, Buff, and then yeah, Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, and then Washington to finish out. That's a tough. I mean, like I would rather oh. play Minnesota than play Detroit, and that's what they get as the second place team. They're playing the second place schedule, so eleven and six. I have them. T- I have them ten and seven. Honestly, bro, I think that like looking at this this whole schedule, and when I go top to bottom, I'm counting off ten wins. And I think I'm pretty fair there. Like, I, I think that they have a schedule where a couple of the second place teams that they are playing have gotten a lot better than they have. Right. I think that's the difference. It's like, what, what have you really gained? Brandon cooks is huge, but I haven't, I haven't 10 and seven. I don't think he makes enough of a difference to keep them in the 11, 12 win range. Too many tough road games. I, I think they're sub 500 in the division. And, and I think, I think they might be I mean, first of all, it's it's can we all agree it's like NFC championship at the very least or bust for this, right? Um and yeah, I, I, I don't I I don't I don't think it's there. Uh I, I if they're sub five hundred in the division, and I think they will be, I can't find another um another uh seven wins that'll get them over five hundred overall, eight and nine. Wow. Like Wow. Wow. I fucking love it, Scotty. I just hope you know that. I just, I, I think there's, I think there's another there on there. I think that, I think they at least split, you know, between, I think they probably go three and three in the division. Um, and, and I could see them, I could see them doing very well in the division. I could say, look, they've had the Eagles number of, over the last couple of years. And I get it. The, the Christmas Eve day was different. And, and, and I get it. Like some of those games were a little funky last year, but I mean, Arizona should be a win. New England should be a win. The Chargers probably should be a win. The Rams should be a win. Carolina should be a win. They should get Washington at least once, if not twice. They can definitely beat Seattle. They can definitely nope. beat Miami but, and Buffalo. They could definitely so, beat Detroit. The way I break this out when I do these, I, 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 I'll I do the, the division schedule. I'll peek behind the curtain. I'll, I'll like write out each team's record against their division, against each opponent in their division. I got Washington winning both games against Dallas this year. Wow. Wow. Sam Howell. Sam Howell has the Cowboys number. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the third team from the NFC East that last year made the postseason, which is the New York football giants. Um, mm. We went in pretty deep when, uh, when the contracts and stuff got handed out. <laughs> um, look, that Daniel Jones contract is something and riding with him. Uh, I did not see, did they, they did not get Barkley's contract no. done. So okay. he he will be playing if he decides to play, which I think he will. Um, he will be playing under the franchise tag this year. And uh, on top of it, too, I mean, the biggest acquisition that they had was probably Darren Waller, which is a, a legitimate acquisition. They do, deserve, yeah. they do deserve some credit for going out and getting that. Andrew Thomas had a massive bounce back year, uh, became one of the best left tackles in football, very well-deserved. Mm-hmm. 
Evan Neal, who was their top 10 pick from 2022, struggled. But, hey, a lot of rookie tackles struggle in the NFL. I think Evan Neal could very easily have a big bounce back year, just like Andrew Thomas did. And then you're looking at, hey, they could have two studs at both sides of uh, the line at the tackle position, which would be huge. Um, Isaiah Hodgins comes on strong as like a number one wide receiver for them. They have Darius Slayton still, which is crazy. Um, they had the Tennessee wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt, uh, who they drafted this year. Paris Campbell also on it. Just not a ton of explosive players, obviously, with Saquon aside. Um, I would put Darren Waller in that group. But again, yeah, like a lot of players, Darren Waller doesn't play a lot of football games. And when he plays, he's really, really, really useful. And he's a really, really high impact player. He's a sick receiving tight end. But how many games are we getting out of Darren Waller this year? Can you can you confidently yeah. say he'll play half the games based off of his track no, record? And the answer have, is no. I'd rather have I'd rather have Andrew, Evan Ingram at this point, who just yeah, got who, a long term deal with Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, who just got a three year deal with Jacksonville. Um, defensively, I mean, look, Dexter Lawrence like was an absolute game wrecker and has quickly become one of the best interior defensive linemen in football. Leonard yeah. Williams, since they made that trade to bring him across to the other side of the uh, stadium to go play for the Giants, has been really really good. Last year's top five pick, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, had a really, really good first ra- uh, uh, first rookie year. Um, we'll see if he can continue to develop. But look, between those three guys, four, four of your starting three defensive linemen are all really, really good, which helps them a ton. Um, Aziz Ojolari also had a really good year last year. It falls off for them the further back you get in their secondary, as we saw the Eagles expose them big time in the postseason, and they didn't really do much to address that. Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, don't really love either of those guys. Uh, Xavier McKinney, you know, has shown flashes, but another guy who's had injury uh, injury issues. But, I mean, ultimately, look, the, the, the ceiling of the Giants comes down to Daniel Jones, you know. And, and Daniel Jones looked so much better, so much better in year two. Uh, or year one, rather, with uh, Brian Dable. Like, significant, like night and day difference. Mm. But how much more is there to get out of Daniel Jones than what they were able to get out of him last year? Because I don't know if there's that much more. No, there's not. And we've seen what the cap of the leader of the offense can be, and that's taken to the playoffs and looked pretty damn good until they played – a true deserving NFC champion, right? Like, I mean, they looked good in all the games they won. They played tough football games. I expect this to be another tough football team, but like to your point there, they have some special players in the offensive and defensive lines. Outside of that, you don't really have playmakers on the outside on either side of the ball, uh, except for Barkley and now Waller. And I, I would put Waller in that category and you can have some some crazy offenses that will score you 28 points and still run the ball a lot. So I get it. Like, they can still win their style of football and add Waller to, to that mix, and it will still be successful. But I don't think they're going to uh, basically push past their ceiling they had last year. You know what I mean? That doesn't make yeah. a, enough of a war difference, as Scotty would say. So, right, we're, we're not changing that. And, and I would say that uh, this team is – is right around, you know, where they were last year. I think a little less. I'm, I'm actually going to give them uh, man, I'm debating between 10 and nine. I'm going to, I'm going to say 10 wins. Wow. Generous. I, not, like, yeah, I was going to say, say, I do not have them. That I was going to say, I was going to say nine, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say nine. Let me replace to nine because 
I, I have them losing a lot of divisional games. That's the thing. It's just a tough division, and I don't think they're going to be. Where do you have them finishing the division even, Scotty, on your chart? Uh, third. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, third, I think. I just, like, look, if, if you're going to defiantly step up and pay your quarterback in Daniel Jones that much and, and put literally all of this on his back, because what you said when you gave him that contract was we're willing to pay you. We're not willing to pay uh, our superstar running back uh, in Saquon Barkley. And that's, that's played out in the off season. So what do they do? They, they like try to, to fill some of, of the other spots on offense that have been lacking. They went out and got Jalen Hyatt to boost the wide receiver and Paris Campbell to boost the wide receiver core. They upgraded on uh, an offensive line. That's trending upward. John Michael Schmitz in the second uh, out of Minnesota was a steal of a draft pick. Uh, I, I think he could end up being one of the best centers in the league in a couple of years, um, or at least in the conversation. Uh, so you, you go out and do that. You, you bolster your defense a little bit. Their first round pick was uh, was that cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you know that helps, but it, it's it's all at the the cost of of. And this is the 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 investment part of it of the NFL. Do you want to lose a guy like Saquon Barkley out of your offense, which helps makes it go? And I'm not saying this as a as a Penn State guy, but like that's that's a huge gamble that you're taking. Uh, whether or not you're 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 going to be able to retain him and build around him and uh, Daniel Jones, and that uh, we'll see. And I and I think it doesn't doesn't make a whole hell of a difference really at the end of the day. Um, from where they were last year. And I think, you know, the, the schedule, we, we've talked about it the whole time we've been doing this because the AFC East and the NFC East play each other. Um, and the Giants finished close to the, to the top of their division. They're going to have a couple of tough games within the conference, um, right? They got to play at San Francisco. They play the Seahawks. Um, uh, they got to play the Saints, which could be a tough game as well. So, uh you know, we'll see. I don't think there's a whole lot out there for him other than yeah. what, what I mean, we've been accustomed to over the last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say this, not giving Saquon a long contract it may hurt you in the short term, but is smart in terms of roster construction. And as far as uh, unbelievable as Saquon is, um, when he's healthy, it's, you know, it, it's hard. It hand, I mean, look at your Niners right now, Scotty. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, Chris McCaffrey's guaranteed $30 million this year. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Debo and Kittle guaranteed. are right up there. And you got yeah. people, yeah, you got guys behind them. Um, so you can Both make of- it work, uh, but it's tough. You know, it's it's really hard to do, and long-term may not be the smartest move. Uh, I'm just looking at the schedule, and it's very realistic the Giants could start off the season one in five. They play Dallas, Arizona, San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, Buffalo in their first six weeks. And then they get a divisional opponent in Washington and then the Jets right after. You can tell me they they could start off, yeah, like two and six or one and seven, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But then they could also rattle off like eight straight wins and then make the postseason, and that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, Scotty, how do you – Where do you – Go ahead. Yeah, no, where do I have them? I have them at – I'll call it nine and eight. I, and I think that's generous too. Um, but, you know, they, to me, remind me of, of a point I wanted to make about the Dolphins is like, they got hot early. Like they rode a six, seven, eight game uh, win streak into uh, 
uh, into the middle of the year. Yeah. And then just kind of like we're mediocre in the back half of the year and then like uh, ended up in the playoffs and, and lost in the in the first game of the playoffs they saw because well, second. Uh, they, 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 beat the the Vi- they beat the Vikings and then got shit pumped yeah, by, yeah, right. by a, a, a significantly better team in, in the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I have them going eight and nine. Um, I think they'll be right around that 500 mark. I think they have enough winnable, easy games. And then I think Brian Dayball is a good enough coach. Um, and you'll have games where they look amazing with Darren Waller and like everything clicks and you're like, damn, could this team be a potential, you know, a threat somehow? Like we always do with those middle of the road teams that have really good weeks, teams like, you know, Minnesota last year. Um, but I think eight and nine seems about right. I think eight and nine seems about right. All right. Last team in this division, we have the Washington commanders um, who you could say are looking at rebuilding some stuff right now. Um, right now they lose Taylor Heineke. So the quarterback position looks like it's going to be uh, most likely Sam Howell coming into it, Um, (coughs) though you you never really know, right? We've seen quarterback battles uh, happen every single year, and they did go out and get Jacoby Brissett. So whether it's Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, you have one of those two is likely going to play a lot of games. Look, Jacoby Brissett played pretty fucking well last year. Uh, Yeah, Washington's in a unique position right now where – they're obviously in the middle of this major something else we missed in our uh, rapid fire, the sale of the Washington commanders, yeah. which we had more information oh, yeah. come up that says maybe it may not be happening. There's some legal <laughs> stuff going on. We'll see ultimately what comes out of it. Um, so you have a new owner in Josh Harris, who's going to be coming in at some point in the next you know couple of months. Uh, and you have a head coach who's likely on the way out. Um, I think we all love Riverboat Ron. I think everyone in the NFL likes Ron Rivera. If he wants to try to hold on to his job, I'll be curious if Sam Howell struggles four or five weeks in, if they make the switch to go over to Brissett and try to win as many games so he can try to save his job. But I think there's some stuff to really like about this team. You know, honestly, I mean, defensively, the defensive line is still oh. arguably the best defensive line in football. And that's even without Chase Young, <laughs> you know? So if you get yeah. Chase Young being productive this year and he really didn't play at all last cool. year, that would be huge for them. Um, and then offensively, like everyone likes like, the running back room is great. Brian Robinson and uh, Antonio Gibson. And then they drafted the kid out of Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez, who I really, really liked uh, and played really, really well in the SEC. The wide receiver room is fantastic with Terry McLaurin, your boy, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. So you're four deep. Uh, Logan Thomas, when he's healthy, is very good. The offensive line, better than it's been sam Co- uh, cosme who uh was a uh second i think second year player out of texas slide him down to right guard andrew wiley uh was a great pickup for them uh charles leno jr so it looks like they've gotten better there but for whatever reason and because again on paper their roster is pretty good um they're very high on the rookie cornerback uh, out of mississippi state emmanuel forbes very curious to see how he ends up playing um but again, rookie cornerbacks are tough. I mean, Sauce Gardner doesn't make it look tough, and Derek Stingley and all these studs we've had come out over the last couple of years. Um, but I don't know if Emmanuel Forbes is quite at that level. So I think I imagine he's going to struggle. Uh, and I think it ultimately, like a lot of these teams, comes down to like, is Sam Howell the guy who played in Week 18 and looked really fucking good against the Cowboys, uh, or are we going to see Jacoby Brissett starting games by like Week Five? You could tell me Jacoby either Brissett. way. Yeah, I think I mean, Jacoby Brissett's going to play. Personally. I think so too. I, I, so I too. like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's going to lead this team to 
um, some stability on offense and their defense is good enough to keep them in games, right? That's what they're going to look for. They have a good defense. No matter what happens here, I do think there'll be a, I, I hope not, but I think there'll be a, probably a coach change at some point in the season. Cause I don't think they're going to win a lot of games, but I think you're going to play a lot of games close. And that's, yeah. what, that's what I think about them. I, I think this could, we could be looking at one of the worst teams in the NFL, which is crazy to say, because I think this is a good roster. I think he's a good coach. But I think the NFL hinges so much on the quarterback position. And if they don't go to Jacoby early, if, if he doesn't win the job, I'm worried about him. I'll say it like that. I don't, I don't think he will. I think the, the whole premise of drafting Sam Howell was so that you could throw him out there. And we saw last year they, they did that toward the end of the year. Um, and it ended up netting them a high draft pick. Do you have the same, uh, the same thought of like, just throw them out there and we get what we get um, building around uh, a, a really good defense. Uh, the fact is if you want to win games and I think Ron Rivera does, he's a competitor. He's one of the the greatest or one of the, the most solid coaches we've seen over the last decade uh, plus is that he's not. And, and so if Ron wants to win games, he's going to throw out Jacoby Brissett and, and I don't blame him at all for that. So uh Look, I, I think that defense is is a lot better than than people think, but you know, it took them a, a lot to get revved up last year. Like we were like, this is a really good defense. And then they came out the first four weeks and were absolutely flat. And we were like, Well, guess Washington's not gonna be any good. And then the defense started playing well. We were like, Oh, this team is actually kind of good, uh, with with Taylor Heineke, albeit. But um, you know, I think that that they have that sort of vibe um this year as well. Uh, I think they're actually going to be better in the division. That's going to be a team, I think, that makes some some noise within the division. Uh, like I said, alluded to earlier, beat Dallas twice. Uh, you know, you split with the Giants, split with the Eagles. Uh, even if you go 0-2 against one of those teams, you're in good shape. Because um, their schedule is hard to find, uh, as you talked about earlier, Jeff. Their schedule is hard to find, like, big money in the bank wins. Even the Bears in like week what, uh, four or five, uh, four five, um, is is not a guaranteed win <laughs> anymore. Yeah, um, I don't think with as much as they've reconstructed the roster. But uh, look, I I think the Commanders are going to be solid. They're 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 in a bit of uh of purgatory. I think they're going to be a middle of the road team. I, you know, seven and nine or uh, seven and ten, eight and nine is is kind of where I have them at. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I, the one thing I'll add, though, is remember, this team went 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. Like, mm-hmm. this team won eight games oh, last year. Oh, the ties. I about yeah. the ties on the table. Oh, with uh, with Carson I Wentz. I remember the fucking tie. Yeah. Or do you remember the tie? I don't Yeah, I don't think tie. you do. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, but think about it. This team won eight games last year with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterbacks. You know, that's – and then obviously Sam Howell there at the end um, just for week 18. Like, And the roster hasn't changed a whole lot, and they've added some nice pieces, and I actually think the offensive line's a little bit better. And I look on that, and like you were saying, I don't think there's five money in the bank winning. I think there's five games I feel very confident that they, that they would win. Uh, I think Arizona, they'd win that game. I think Chicago, they'll win. I think Atlanta, they'll win. Um, 
Of course, that's not gi- given that they're going to, but I think they can absolutely. <laughs> the Taylor Heineke Denver. revenge game. <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, you know, Denver, I think, is a very winnable game. I think uh, the Rams, obviously, <laughs> are a very winnable game. Both games against the Giants, Seattle, uh, New England. Like, I think these are all very winnable games. Um, that being said, though, I do think they will struggle at certain points. I think this is R- Riverboat Ron's last year. I have them going 7-10 and 10 mm. to finish it off. So I think they get one less win this year than they did last year. Um, and I think Sam Howell will surprise some people, man. I liked him a lot at North Carolina. Um, but I could also see it being similar. Maybe this is a, a lazy comp, but it, it could be very similar to like a you know, a Baker Mayfield Cleveland type runs, you know, where it's like, it's just right there is like, seems like, is there enough there for him to be a legit starter? And then ultimately well, it kind of comes up a bit short. So at least he took him to the playoffs. I don't think Sam Howell will do that. Cause I think they're going to go five and 12. I think wow. that wow. he's going to have a couple of rookie moments at bad times. And I think that's all it's going to come down to. I think this team's going places, love the ownership change. Can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Maybe they get six wins, but I'm going to put them at five. All right. So with that, we all have the Eagles winning the division. We all, uh, Vito and I have the Cowboys finishing second. Scotty has the Giants finishing second. Um, Vito and I both have the Cowboys in third. Scotty has the Cowboys in third. And then we all have the Commanders finishing last in the NFC East for the 2023 season. Uh, all right. That is the pod. Long one, but look, it's our first one back. We had a lot of stuff we had to get caught up on. We were going to do some random life stuff at the end, but we uh, we've run out of time. So we'll hold that maybe for Thursday's pod, but um, it's been so fun to be back having the boys here. We look forward. Look, we're, we're getting to football season. You're going to get a healthy dose of us tw- two times a week moving forward. Um, very excited for football season. Very excited to be back and doing, uh, doing this with the two of you guys. And uh, more so than that as well, being back with all of you, the listeners and the people who support us. Uh, we've missed you guys. We love you guys. And uh, we're excited to be back. So uh, with that being said, anything else as we wrap this up, boys? No. All no right. Not looking forward to the Niners preview. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all for listening. We love you so much. Go birds as always. And, uh, talk to y'all later. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>